Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Random Tyler Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And today's episode is Challenge Accepted. We'll be taking a look later in the show at Rayman Legends uh, Challenges app. I always get that name mixed up. And I always think it has no S. And we're also going to be looking at the challenge that Nintendo faces with reviving the Wii U by uh, breaking down their financial report from last week and discussing what's gone wrong with the Wii U, what they could do to make it right. Plus, in addition to all that, we have impressions of two other Wii U freebies along with Rayman. Tank, tank, tank. And, which is really fun to say, and uh, Wii U Panorama View. And, because that's not enough, we also have some game news to discuss, which includes uh, some big upcoming third-party games that aren't quite official for Wii U, but are basically official, along with some cool indie stuff. So it's a lot to get to. Um, as always, we have timestamps on the on the uh, blog post that corresponds with this if you want to jump to just the Wii U debate, or just the games, or just the impressions. So, you know, the power's, your, the power's in your hands. Uh, and with that... I guess you should kick off with Nintendo's. You're giving me this look like I should not have said the power's in your hands. Oh, was that a Captain Planet reference? It sure was. Oh. Earth, wind, fire... The power is Wait, what's... Or... What? Earth, Earth, wind, wind fire, fire, and heart. Because they, they needed a yeah. fifth one. Yeah. So they're like, love. <laughs> That's an element of nature, I guess. Um, it's not. No, I was thinking of there could have been a, a legitimate fifth one. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless they do, like, carbon. Carbon dioxide. Go. Anyway, that wouldn't work. That would be... They could do air. They have wind. Oh, right. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> Let's talk about things that actually matter, which includes, most notably, uh, Nintendo. Nintendo. Yeah, it wouldn't be random Nintendo if there wasn't a random <laughs> element. You're right. But uh, let's jump in with actual news from Nintendo's uh, financial report that they recently re- released, looking back at their past fiscal year. Uh, we'll break it down with just, like, here's the hard numbers, and here's what they mean, and here's what Nintendo's doing to fix things and address things and that sort of thing. So we'll start with numbers and work away from there. Uh, so overall... Nintendo actually was profitable this year, which is the first time they've been able to say that since two years ago. So they did turn a profit. The company specifically posted a profit of $71.4 million, which is better than their last year's loss of $434 million. They brought, they made back $434 million and then made an additional seventy-one. But a lot of that profit did not actually come from doing well. It came from a simple... Uh, currency exchanges. The, the depreciation of the yen basically allowed them to make mon- more money off overseas sales. So that's how that number came about. The less rosy numbers are the like, truer representation of how Nintendo did, and that um, is an operating loss of $366 million, the second yearly operating loss Nintendo has had, back-to-back and, I believe, ever. Um, and their net sales were also down. Uh, even though they released a 3DS XL, and an entirely new console on the Wii U, their overall sales were down, uh, coming in at $6.38 billion this past year. So, what caused the money loss is really what the whole financial report's truly about. Aren't those usually down when a new console comes out? I mean, take a Not while. sales. Well, like, oh, no, no, not sales, just... Profit, sure, yeah, because profit, they might be... Oh, yeah. They I mean, might be... Um, takes a while. They might be selling it at a loss. That's yeah. understandable. So that could explain I mean, why operating loss was down. Loss for a while, yeah, yeah, and they had operating losses as such. But you have your net sales, literally just the money you're raking in before tax and whatnot, to have that drop when you release two systems. One, re- you know, one redesign, one new. Not so good. Mm-hmm. Not At least in my mind. That bad, right? <laughs> what? I thought the XL was doing pretty good, though. Well, the DS, well, here's here's what really is causing those losses. So there were weaker than expected sales of the 3DS. Yeah. It was actually about a million less than what they wanted to sell. They were aiming for fifteen million this past year. What they, which by the way, their fiscal year is April first, twenty twelve, to March thirty first, twenty thirteen. So it's not a true year as we're like it's not calendar year. It's skewed. 
But uh, so they, you know, they were expecting 15 million. They got 13.45 million, so about a million down. Uh, but this and this puts the system's total sales in the world since it launched the 3DS at uh, 31.09 million. Uh, so yeah, the it's down, but it's not like awful. It's trending below where it was in the U.S. and Europe a year ago, but it's higher than it was a year ago in Japan. Like if you look specifically at years. So overall, it's down about a million, but in specific regions, it's a couple hundred thousand different. So it's about the same. So it just depends how you look at it. It depends on how you look at it, yeah. But the software sales did pretty well. Uh, they sold 50 million units of 3DS games. 50 million 3DS games were sold in the past year. And that includes six, about 6.5 million copies of New Super Mario Bros. 2, almost 2 million copies of Paper Mario Sticker Star, and 1.22 million copies of Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. And that last one's particularly impressive because it was only out for two weeks within this period of the fiscal year. So it sold 1.22 million in two weeks. Well, first, thing, first a comparison, Kid Icarus. Yeah, first a comparison, Kid Icarus, which came out the same year. I mean, the same week a year earlier. To date, has only sold 1.18 million, and Luigi in two weeks passed yeah, that. Yeah, but to its credit, I mean, I think Luigi. Well, it was definitely a way easier sell than Kid Icarus. Yeah. I mean, Kid Icarus already had a lot of things going against it from the beginning. Well, I'm not saying it like a. I'm saying it's a good thing for Luigi. Yeah. Oh yeah. And kind of a bad thing for Kid Icarus, given how much marketing Nintendo yeah, poured I mean, into that a year ago. Too, but... Yeah. Well, I, I just hate it because of the lefty issue. Yeah, but, the conspiracy. Yes. But one other interesting uh, game sale of note for 3DS is that Animal Crossing New Leaf, which isn't out in America until next month, and has only been out in Japan up till now, managed to sell 3.86 million units in Japan alone. Yikes. Which really shows Nintendo's been saying this is like their big, the, the bread and butter system. This is what's selling, helping it sell so well, and that's what boosted. This is their Call of Duty? Yeah, basically. That's what boosted the sales in Japan up. Europe and the U.S. were down in terms of DS sales this year over last, but uh, Japan was up because of Animal Crossing mm-hmm. and Giant Quest and Monster Hunter. And that Probably sort of won't thing, be the same here, actually. What? Probably won't. No, be it the won't. Same. It's yeah. more niche here for sure. Yeah. But overall, to date, it is. It's also kind of a hard game to explain to someone. It else. is because it's like it's like The Sims, but you control the character and you don't really manage their life. You kind of manage their garden and their clothes. <laughs> so and you go swimming and fishing and. It's like you talk si- to a turtle who's the mayor, but now you're that turtle, except you're human. Like, I would just say it's like, it's like The Sims, but without all the crazy options, and everyone's an animal. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really hard to sell. But yeah. the thing is, once you play it, it clicks. It just, yeah. It's hard I mean, to even get that, over that. that, that like, okay. Yeah. But it's just, I think it just fits better Japanese culture. Like People are like, oh, you're living with animals. Cool. <laughs> so, But uh, today, if you're curious, 95 million 3DS games have been sold since the system launched way back when. And uh, Mario 3D Land is the number one selling game. Mario Kart 7 is the number two selling game. And both of them, since they came out, have passed 8 million units. So that's about a fourth of the people that does own that it. Count, about a fourth um, of the people that own the 3DS own one of those games. Does that count for installed versions? Cause both, yeah. Um, uh, well, actually, I don't know. Nintendo didn't specify. So both of them had their own I think they were only. talking about shipments to stores, not oh, installed. No. So when you factor that in, it's obviously bigger. But, uh, so yeah, the three, like we said, the 3DS did kind of underperform, but Nintendo actually was like, well, we can, you know, that's just the West has to embrace the 3DS more. The real thing that they're sticking the, uh, bad financials on is their other system, the Wii U, which I feel like that's how Nintendo's treating it. We have the 3DS and this other one. But yeah, the Wii U, uh, as you may recall, Nintendo initially was hoping to sell five and a half million units of the Wii U, right? By March 31st. They then, in January, as we talked about in that in one of those episodes, said they're dropping it to four million because, you know, it's not selling as hot as they want. Now they're announcing that they only, even with that new goal, they still didn't meet it. They only sold three point four five million units since launch, so they couldn't even bring it into the revised goal when they saw the momentum slow. And 
Given that the system sold 3 million units during the holiday season, over 3 million units during the holiday season, that means that from January till March, that whole first quarter, or last quarter of their fiscal year, uh, they managed to sell 390,000 units worldwide, which mm. is not that much. Not much happened in the week. Yeah, it's not surprising, <laughs> but still, that's not that good. I mean... Raymond could have helped, maybe. It could have, yeah. 200,000 were sold in the U.S., and 200,000 is, you know, a reasonable amount for one month. For comparison, the Xbox 360 in this past March alone sold 261,000. So, yeah, the Wii is not doing so hot. Uh, Game-wise, though, it is moving a decent, you know, a decent clip. Uh, they managed to sell 13.42 million units of software for the Wii U, and this, you know, this actually gives the Wii U a pretty decent attack rate, which means how many games every Wii U owner owns. There may not be that many Wii U owners, but of the Wii U owners that do exist, they each own. a on average, four games. Somewhere between three and four games. Technically, 3.88 games, but no one owns four-fifths of a game. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, of Nintendo's first-party titles, they only released sales for two, the two that they developed themselves, and that'd be uh, Nintendo Land, which sold 2.6 million units, and uh, New Super Mario Brothers U, which sold uh, 2.15 million. So Nintendo Land obviously did better since it was bundled. I'm not sure if those numbers include the bundled copies. Nintendo didn't say, but I'm pretty sure it does. They, I mean, they include the bundles when they discuss Wii sales. So, Speaking of Wii, actually, the, those legacy systems, the Wii and DS are still doing pretty decently too. Uh, the Wii managed to move 4 million units in the last year, which isn't bad. Consider- I guess all those holiday bundles with Just Dance and Skylanders helped. Yeah, and it's pretty and it's cheap. cheap. It's yeah. very cheap. Yeah, but uh, that brings its total sales to just shy of 100 million, which would be a huge milestone. They're currently sitting at 99.84 million. So by now, they might have actually hit the milestone, but not at the time of their uh, financials being tallied. DS, meanwhile, saw an additional sale uh, of 2.35 million units, which brings its total life-to-date sales to 153.87. And that number is significant because it's just shy of the PS2's all-time best-selling game system ever record of 155 million. However, unfortunately, it's hard to say if the DS is ever going to top that record. I'm sure all us Nintendo fans would love to see it become the best-selling system of all time, but Nintendo didn't give a sales forecast for the DS for this next fiscal year. And usually when you don't give a sales forecast, it's because you're not expecting it to sell, and you're not expecting it to sell because you're not producing it anymore. So more likely than not, Nintendo's probably done producing the DS because they really want people to buy the 3DS. They need to pick up, the, you know, mainly in the West, they need to pick up how it's doing. Um, so they're phasing out the DS and probably just selling what they have in warehouses and still on the assemb- you know, still assembled, but they're not assembling new ones. And so you don't think there's probably $2 million worth of DSs out already in warehouses? There might be. It could it could possibly hit one. I mean, there could be, but the, it, it, Nintendo doesn't necessarily think so because they they made they sold two million DSs last year, and this year they're not even saying they're saying they're not they're not even saying what they're gonna sell. They don't even know probably because they're not sure. Okay. I mean, would it even be something that Nintendo would want to gloat about? Well, I guess yeah. I mean, they put how many Wii's they'd sell. They put how many. They do it until they stop caring. So it's just until they stop caring until they stop until they basically move on from it. So it, I think it's safe to say they're moving on. Which is a bit unfortunate, because, you know, the DS... The, yeah, but the DS was such a great system, and it was so close to PS2. <laughs> Why you still play? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I do want to actually point out real quick that, speaking of how great the DS was, I actually wrote an extra the other day that um, called Dual Screen Reflections. It's basically a little, like, retrospective of how great the DS was from its bulky, ugly original form to the camera-enhanced DSi, and it covers the games, and the touching-is-good marketing, which is very odd for Nintendo because it's very mature. Anyway, if you're curious about any of that and you just want to 
you know, reminiscing the nostalgia of the DS, I definitely encourage you to check out the article, Dual Screen Reflections. Go to roundtown.com. It's going to be right next to this episode on the homepage. should be to the right of it if you're looking at the little thumbnails. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Um, but, yeah, back to back to, uh, back to to Nintendo's sales. So they weren't expecting anything of the DS, but they are naturally releasing their expectations for the uh, 3DS and the Wii U and themselves as a company. So as they announced in January, and as we've talked about a few times on the show, uh, Nintendo's global president and CEO, Satoru Iwata, has said that Nintendo is going to is aiming to make a uh, operating income of 100 million yen in the next year. Profit will be 990 992 will be a little under not 992 doesn't make sense like 992 or 99.2 or 92.9 some somewhere a little less than 100 million. But um the point is they are hoping to make that goal through boosted sales of both the 3DS and Wii U. So the 3DS, they're expecting to sell 18 million units, which is significantly higher than what they sold this year. 13, once again, that was about 13 million. And they're also hoping to sell 9 million Wii U's, which is obviously way higher than the 390,000 they sold this quarter and the 3.43 million they sold since it launched. I mean, even if you just triple... No, even if you just like double how many Wii U sales they have right now, that'd be two quarters worth, basically. It's nowhere near 9 million, so it's like 6-something. So... They had their work cut out for them, but they're hoping that between now and March 31st of 2014, they can do that. That people will get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the 3DS goal seems achievable, right? Like, Nintendo does have a crazy lineup this year. Yeah, yeah. They have a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, they, they're really... They're just kind of releasing top-tier games, like, rapid-fire. I think I made this point, actually, last episode, that, uh... You know, normally in a year, we get, like, Mario & Luigi or Pokemon or Zelda as, like, the banner game for the holidays. But this year we're getting all three back to back to back, all within four months. So many time eaters. Yeah. So the fact that they're doing that, I think Nintendo, Nintendo knows their issue is they need to boost Western sales, and they're releasing a ton of games here in the West specifically that are doing just that. Not just those. I mean, we had Fire Emblem, we had uh, Luigi's Mansion, we have Animal Crossing, which was huge in Japan last fiscal year, playing a role in America this fiscal year. So Nintendo staggered that to try and boost American sales even more. So. Yeah, the list really, it kind of just goes on and on of how many games we're getting. Then, you, you know, even the smaller ones, Mario Party, Mario, Mario Golf, they'll all add up. So I think 3DS-wise, the goal is achievable. They could probably sell 18 million, and they'll probably help them get that 100 million yen income. What will be a little harder, on the other hand, is going to be the Wii U. Because, man, that system is trouble for Nintendo. And I, luckily, Nintendo actually is acknowledging that. They're not burying their head in the sand. They very specifically, in the meetings with investors, Iwata and the Nintendo people very clearly said, yes, we know something's wrong and we're going to fix it. So I guess that leads us to the next kind of segment of this financial report, which is, how is Nintendo fixing the Wii U? Because they, they got to, right? I mean, this thing's, it's like a worse than a Vita situation at this point, or about the same. Yeah, but the difference is... the biggest mm-hmm. thing ever. It's 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 currently like if it follows the current trends it's doing it's doing worse than the GameCube, following the thing that was a bajillion times more success, successful than the GameCube. So yeah, it's not good. But uh, generally speaking, Nintendo did acknowledge that momentum is falling off, which is obviously the main concern. Is no one's buying the thing. There's no momentum. So uh, I was always telling investors during it. They have a they first released the financials, then they have a meeting with investors, and they have a Q and A with investors. So during the meeting with investors, Iwata um, said that shockingly, the lack of so- <clears throat> excuse me, the lack of software is what's killing the, the Wii U. Who would have thought that? If you have nothing to play, why would you buy it? 
So uh, he specifically acknowledged that the new that there's a new set of delays with software, which we obviously have seen. You know, back in January, spring was going to be the big period. April till June, we were going to see Game & Wario, Wonderful 101, We Fit You, Pikmin 3. That's what was promised in January. Now we're seeing Game & Wario late June, and we're seeing Pikmin early August, and both We Fit You and Wonderful 101, who knows when those are coming out. They're not even dated. They're, I think they're kind of still saying summer, technically, but that's not happening. No way. If they dated Pikmin, but not these, no way. So, the real question... We have to come out in July. This yeah, I can see We Fit You maybe doing July, but... That's like the only spot they really have. But the fact, yeah, but the fact that they had those four major games all slated for before June, and now the first of the four is only coming out at the end of June, like, clearly something's up, and Nintendo actually addressed why. Uh, we've speculated about this, lots of people have speculated about this, that Nintendo might have been understaffed due to HD development. They're used to standard definition. High definition requires way more work, four times the textures, I think. I think it's four times, right? Yeah. Four times the textures, four times everything. Like, it's just more labor-intensive. And during the Q&A part of the investor meeting, I'm kind of surprised that, that he said this, but while it pretty candidly was just like, yeah, we were understaffed. He uh, specifically said that the reason for the delayed release of our first-party titles was the fact that, complete, that completing the games released at the same time as the launch of the Wii U required more development resources than expected. So some staff members that develop, uh, from development teams working on other titles had to help complete them. In short, the development teams of Pikmin 3 and other future games were understaffed during that period. So in other words, Nintendo was really struggling to get even Nintendo Land and Mario out. They moved everyone over there, got that out, then they all went back to what they were doing and continued to struggle. So, so that's yeah, they, what happened. They bit off more than they can chew. Yeah, they bit off more than they can chew with HD, which is what so many people su suspected was going to happen. And it's kind of sad that didn't they Nintendo do didn't. I'm sure they did, but I don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, I'm sure. Like, okay, that's a they good... knew what I don't know an HD environment would work like. I feel then... like that R&D argument could sum up everything wrong with the Wii U. They didn't do R&D about the. They didn't do mar uh, focus groups about the name. Clearly, we'll get to that. The whole marketing angle about like Wii U and is it the Wii? Is it a new system? What is it? That Nintendo admits that's the other major problem with it. Okay. So it's just like clearly, clearly there. Yeah, and 3DS had the exact same issue. It's like a DS, but what? Like it's a third DS. I have a it's DS. You have a 3D. I don't need that. Yeah, it's like it's Nintendo. I think they got a little. I think they had Sony syndrome. When Sony went from PS2 to PS3, they were very ignorant the first couple of years, and it took them a while to be like, oh, we're not unstoppable. Okay, we'll start listening to fans, and then they redid the PS3, and everyone loved it again. Nintendo's going through that arrogant phase right now, mm -hmm. I think. But uh, I mean. One interesting thing, though, is that while I went on, it's not just HD development. The interesting thing is, it's not just HD development that's playing Nintendo. It's also they can do HD development, but they don't want to shortchange the game, like shortchange the gamers as a result. He went on to say during the meeting, in that same answer to a question, that you know when people are playing fifty or sixty bucks for a game, they're expecting a certain amount of content and they're expecting a certain level of quality. Nintendo's all about delivering the highest quality and the highest content. So if it takes longer to that's make that true. higher quality, they'll delay the game to do it. They had, he, as he put it, they had the choice of either releasing the game and have it be not up to Nintendo standard, or delay it, and they always delay it, so he delayed it. I mean, it makes a little sense, because, like... It's the right choice. I mean, yeah, it's the right choice, but I guess what Nintendo did is they're like, oh, it'll take X amount of months to make this game based on our experience with Twilight Princess. But they didn't really think about the fact, well, if it takes more time to do the HD assets and stuff, then that's less time to do the length of the game, or the more levels, or more dungeons, or more whatever... 
So that's probably yeah. that's probably the root of the problem. I mean, given the circumstances, I mean, none of we can be mad at them. Yeah, but I mean, yes and no. I mean, Nintendo's now. I mean, well, I mean, given, I mean, what's done is done. But I mean, there's so many things that could have been prevented. Oh yeah, it's kind of like yeah. like really Nintendo. Like, at least they like, seem to slowly be learning. Although it is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> They're learning though. It's ridiculous though that now for a third time we're pro- we're being promised a game onslaught in just a few months. In January it was spring. At launch it was early was 2013. The, the console too. Like, didn't you say like they? Yeah, have people working in different parts of the different firm of of the OS, and then mm-hmm. at the end, kind of like it's like they didn't. Yeah, Nintendo said on. They a, didn't really know what uh, what they were doing in the US. Yeah, no, they didn't. Yeah, we talked about a few episodes back just to give back some context. Did with the deal that we had to wait? We know, had to wait three like months for the eShop to launch. Months, yeah, before for the, for the eShop, for the DS too. Like before we yeah. had a full featured console, and we still yeah we finally we, do. We pretty much do. Yeah. yeah. But no, the, yeah, oh, the thing yeah, I, not because of the virtual console thing. It's the service yeah. they said that was going to be there. Like just because they said it was going to be there on the yeah. Wii U. So yeah, but no, uh, just to clarify the OS thing you were saying for those who may not listen to that episode. Basically, what Nintendo did is they apparently one of the issues with the OS being so slow up until recently was they uh, actually compartmentalized each app's development and they didn't really talk amongst themselves. They yeah. just kind of plugged into like, okay, mine's done. Here's the flash drive. And then it's like, if it was fast, um, it was fast. If it wasn't, it wasn't. So we're discussing so. how, like, like, didn't they have, like, a director or something that, like, worked with every single group to make sure they were all... Yeah, there's, like, one guy overseeing it, but one guy, like... Yeah, you need... Yeah, and, well, they fixed that. They re- they announced in their last finances, which was in January for the thir- for uh, the holiday quarter, they announced that, specifically, they announced that they're restructuring. Oh, that's and they're bringing everybody... together hand... They're bringing together their handheld and and console, like, home console divisions hardware divisions to make things more streamlined and whatnot. So they are addressing so that. So that's yell, a lesson So they can yell at each other from like across the rooms like, exactly. I'm making the change for the Miiverse on the 3DS. Yeah, or even just... Don't do <laughs> or even just something like, hey, have you tried using this like Ajax code or that JavaScript to do... Because mm-hmm. they're using Nintendo Web Framework a lot for their own internal stuff now. So it's like, have you tried this JavaScript? Oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to optimize mine now. Like, it's just it's more sense. collaborative. Yeah. But, uh... What was I going to say? Yeah, at least Nintendo, I mean, they're learning slowly, even though it has been three times that uh, that they have told us only a few more months. I think this time might be real, because, I, I mean, I want pretty bluntly told investors that a, here's, a, here's the quote, it's just like, it's funny because it's like, well, duh. Deci- a decisive factor in buying a console is that you cannot play a much-anticipated game without the hardware. Thus, Nintendo plans to, as he put it, do its best to have you feel from this summer till the end of the year that there are plenty of great games for Wii U. I feel like they've been kind of saying that, but they never said it outright. Like, you always say, like, we need games to sell the system, blah, blah, But he never said, like, we need it now. He never, like, was like, now we need it. He's always like, well, we do need games, but we're going to sell it on the merits of what it has. But now he's like, now we need it. Like, right now. We need it now. So, well, he, no, he's not saying now. He's saying three months from now. I take that back. He's saying, we need it in a few months. So I guess they're just going to coast for a few months. I mean, the problem is, what are they going to do during I mean, those few months, I, right? I, 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 would, I mean, wouldn't you say this is kind of like, Last, I'm getting used to the, the last time they could kind of make like this kind it of thing. It has to be the last time, or else I mean, they're screwed. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think they could. They, I don't think they could survive if they did no, this again. They can't. I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously they'll still be around because they're so freaking rich. But and far, the 3DS, but, but, far, carry but as far as like their console, they'll just be irrelevant. Like no one will. Yeah, no. Care. I mean, people are already saying this is the Dreamcast or Nintendo. Like, but no, they can't make the same mistake. They can't say in summer. Yeah, it's they. they yeah, yeah, they, they literally can't. cannot say in summer we're going to start in those in October. That won't work. They have to. This is the cutoff. <laughs> if they delay the games anymore, then right? it's it's they're done. This is the cutoff. And I mean, luckily, it seems like they realize that HD. I mean, the fact that they're openly admitting they were understaffed for the first time suggests they know it's a problem and they've addressed it. You don't say you have a problem and then not fix it. 
that does not ha- make investors happy. So if they're saying HD was an issue, they probably overcome that burden and they're not saying, but now we're ready. They're lucky we're very tolerant fans. Very patient fans. Yeah, yeah but it's still, I mean, I'm still wondering what they're doing for the next three months. Game of Mario in June, then Pikmin in, in, in uh-huh. August. Uh-huh. And while those are great for us, neither is a system seller. Pikmin sells like a couple million copies. They're, they're hoping everybody buys Resident Evil Revelation. Oh, that must be it. I mean, and it, it, and it, it, the I mean, three-year-old I mean, Deus I mean, Ex port. I mean, not, not sarcastically. I mean, isn't it clearly like the best, the better version on yeah, the Wii U? Yeah, but Nintendo had nothing to do with that. That's well, it, yeah, but I mean, a game is a game. Yeah, it is the best on the Wii U. I mean, Deus Ex Human I mean, Revolution. Hypothetically speaking, someone could buy the console for that game. Yeah. I mean, many people uh, bought the console. No, they won't. They could, but they won't. I mean, a lot of people bought the console for Monster Hunter. Yeah, but that's different. That's a flagship. Nintendo treated that more like a flagship. And it wasn't... It's funny oh, it wasn't port. And it's funny, because that's Resident Evil, which is like higher yeah. up than Monster. And they're both remakes. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> that's a very good point. But yeah, I Monster mean, and you also have... anything. Yeah, and you also have, like, Deus Ex, which really the game is old, more. but enhanced, so maybe... I don't know. It's a weird... It's new to us. I'm kind of intrigued. All I'm going to say is, if Nintendo thinks that Game & Wario and Pikmin will sell the system from now till September, when the real games come, they're going to be disappointed. Because, yes... Starring later this year, you're going to get Mario 3D, you're going to get Mario Kart, you're going to get, presumably, uh, Wii Fit U at some point, you're going to get Wind Waker, which I don't even know how Wii Fit U will do, by the way. I wonder if the fad is dead. Like, are that many casuals like, oh, I need to buy a $300 console to upgrade my Wii Fit experience when I barely use the balance board now? Yeah. Like, it's kind of a, I think it's over. Yeah, I think I mainly wanted just because I enjoyed the Wii Fit, Wii Fit, but don't really expect much new out of it. Yeah. Now, well, they even say a lot of your favorite mini-games are back, which is like, okay, so they're just up them. But point being... Probably because they'll be, like, the only release in, the, like, that month, so... Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows when they're even releasing it? But point being, if you have all those games plus Wind Waker HD, those will move systems, but that's not till fall. So now we're really looking at... Well, we're going to have some games to appease the current gamers and a few that will jump sh- over... I was going to say jump ship, but they're really jumping onto the ship. Like you know, with pick with pick more because there'll be some shape jumping. Yeah, in when it comes out in October. Yeah, oh, Black Flag. And Watch Dogs is like November still. So yeah, Watch Dogs is November fifth confirmed. Oh my god, I'm excited about that. I really like. But point being, so many games. They're, yes, there's gonna be all those games then, and the, assuming they're not delayed. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be all those games then, and that's for first. You know, for first party content, you're gonna get good stuff. But how many people? Are, really are going to be like, oh, Pikmin 3's on the Wii U. I'll go spend $300 on the Wii U. Like, it's not quite the hook I think Nintendo's expecting. Yeah, Pikmin 2 sold a couple million. I think Mario's but... and Smash Brothers would really... And Mario Kart. That. Yeah, Mario Kart. Well, I wouldn't say that so much anymore. Mario Kart? Are you kidding? Second best-selling game on Wii. On the Wii? Yeah. Oh, that's true. Maybe Just behind Wii Sports. Oh. It's huge. It's a best... Uh, 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 we uh, just uh, talked about it's I, the I, second best-selling well, game on 3DS. I, I guess behind I'm, Mario I, I'm underestimating... I, I keep thinking... People with my mentality. No, Mario Kart is Mario huge Kart. with casuals. In fact, there was like because because I honestly like I wouldn't buy a console just for Mario Kart. To give you an idea, because I already have it. Well, to give me an idea, I was watching this. No, no, it, it makes sense. I was just thinking. Like, okay, I know. I'm just getting a little context to watch, or not context, but little perspective. Uh, I was watching a video. It was like uh, Jimmy Fallon did this like web thing, like ask Jimmy Fallon. One of the questions in the it was like you know like uh, would you ever do a comedy tour? Where you th- are the roots coming with you when you take over the Tonight Show? You know things like that. And then the la- one of the questions buried in there was, which character do you use in Mario Kart? That's how, like, big it is. Like, they're asking all stuff about Jimmy Fallon's career, and then they're like, by the way, Mario Kart. And he's like, oh, I use Toad. Like, without any hesitation, he's just like, Toad, obviously. Like, that's how big the franchise is. So. But anyway, back to the main point. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. First party-wise, it'll ramp up in the fall, or summer into fall, Nintendo says, but mm, I don't know. Third party side isn't much better at all, actually. It's actually arguably worse. Uh, I mean, Iwata 
he was very straightforward in this press con- in this uh, investor meeting. It was kind of nice. He kind of nice. He actually said straight up, "Well, some software companies are actively supporting Wii U, and others are not." Like usually a company, you know, usually Nintendo or Sony or Microsoft would spin it as we have done most. We've some of the biggest publishers in the world bring top quality games like Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed and blah blah blah. But he's just like, "Well, we got some of them." <laughs> so, so. uh yeah, and, it, you know, we know this. Every Wii U owner or Nintendo fans know this. We talk about all in past episodes that we don't have Battlefield 4 coming, and we don't have Saints Row 4, and we don't have the current Bioshock or Tomb Raider, and they're, even though they're on PS3 and 360. And I think to really, like, kind of encapsulate that point, EA actually just confirmed that Madden, 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 the thing that's on everything, is not coming to Wii U this year. Which is just, like, insane. I mean, it's the first time since 1991 that Madden is not coming to Wii, to, uh, to obviously to Wii U, it wasn't around, to, uh, to any Nintendo platform. Why? Well, that's what's weird about it. Engine? No, they can release, it's, it's, on it PS3, it's on PS3 and 360. I know, that's like any, I mean, like you said in the last episode, like any argument using an engine, yeah. for engine reasons, like... That, well, are anything that's that on a current game, gen yeah, console. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was that game that someone said, like, oh, it's... Next gen, but then it's on this, and then Watch Dogs Frozen. No. Oh, Frostbite Engine Four. Frostbite. The Frostbite Engine, which powers Battlefield Four, and pretty much Battlefield, all. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's EA's engine. Like my phone can run it. <laughs> yeah, it's EA's, and that's Unreal, which also oh, yeah. is Unreal Four, and and Frostbite. Frostbite Engine. The... Yeah, Frostbite Engine powers all of EA's games. Eventually, sports too, but Madden Twenty Five, not. I don't think so. Madden Twenty Five, by the way, is just Madden Fourteen with a different name because it's the twenty fifth anniversary. I mean, it's a Madden game. They're all. Yeah. But I mean, and honestly, I don't even care. Marginally about, different. I don't even care about sports games at all. I would not buy it. But the fact of the matter is, it's on every Nintendo platform since 1991. The only system it's skipped, generally speaking, is the Dreamcast, which kind of says a lot. But uh, yeah, like Madden. Like this the, year. What? No, the only in history, the only no, no, time. No, 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 no. I mean, it's skipping it this year. Maybe it'll come back next year. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, EA went on record as saying, "I can't believe they actually said that." We have a strong partnership with Nintendo. Oh, really? Then why do you have nothing coming out, and why doesn't Frostbite support it? Anything on Nintendo at all? Really? That's that's a strong partnership, guys. Or like we have a partnership with Nintendo. Yeah, but they went on. They said strong partnership. Like, guys, you're not releasing anything. You have nothing in the pipe. But uh, why is tomorrow they're gonna like? unveil all these crazy things I, if they do I would be happy to be wrong yeah yeah but it's just the thing with Madden is it's like one of those games that's like oh no matter what I own there's Madden like it's one of those like there are a lot universal of would buy a console for Madden too yeah but they most likely get a PS3 or 360 it's more like exactly right. yeah it's more like oh I have a Wii U and but oh and here's Madden like it only sells you know a couple hundred thousand copies on Wii U but on Wii for example where they actually put effort into it but I mean you had Madden's on GameCube well, I mean, when it wasn't successful there's Madden on Nintendo 64 I mean, the pre- when it wasn't successful why is there no Madden on Wii U I mean did the previous Wii U Madden do bad no yeah but the previous Wii U Madden was technically not even the same Madden as its counterpart so it was called Madden 13 it came out at launch three months after the other versions. It was missing the new physics engine. It was missing a lot of the features. It so they didn't it ended try. three months late, so they kind of caused their own downfall. I mean, obviously you can't release it in August when Wii U isn't out last year, but you can put the physics engine in. You can put the features in. Like, it was literally stripped of features for no apparent reason. When they should have more. <laughs> yeah, so... I don't know. It's just a big deal that when you have a, a game that's on everything like Madden, to have it not come to your system says a lot. And I mean, I don't know. I think it just sums up third party pretty well, the, or the dire third party situation. But the good news, I guess, the silver lining is Nintendo knows this is an issue. 
I mean, like we said, Awa basically said, you know, we have some companies but not others. And he went on to say during the investor Q&A, uh, actually a lot about how they want to handle the uh, the whole third-party situation. And investors specifically called out the idea that the Wii U is underpowered and that third-party games aren't coming to it. And what what's Nintendo going to do? These are common misconceptions, or some misconception, somewhat misconception thoughts. I can't form a sentence. But, um, and... Uh, I want to had some ideas, but you know, really, it's going to be a harder task for Nintendo than just like, oh, we'll start releasing games, or oh, we'll beef up our development. Like, they have to convince other companies to do stuff. So, what they're planning to do, and that obviously depends on what the other companies want to do. So, what Iwata uh, wants to do, as he puts it, is dispel misconceptions about the Wii U. So, specifically, he wants to talk about like the power and the abilities of the system. I mean, it's a fact, it's a little better, if not a lot better, in some ways, than the PS3 and 360. You know, you got Need for Speed with enhanced. Uh, textures that were ported down from the PC version but were higher res than what the PS3 and 360 could do. You have uh, the developers of BitTrip Runner 2, the guys at uh, Gaijin Games, specifically saying the faster memory of the Wii U allows them to really shorten load times. Like, stuff like that. The system is a little more powerful, at least. So, Nintendo just has to convince people as such. But uh, I also said that one way, the only way to really get major companies on board is basically showing them they made a mistake which is kind of a sad sad way of doing it like to be like well we're gonna wag our finger and be like you should have been here like i he, he literally like literally what he said was uh that the that's important that there are strong sales of the current third-party wii u games because that would make that those companies feel that their decision to develop something for wii u was correct and the, obviously the flip side of that is which means the people that decide not to do it made an incorrect decision they want the, they want EA to look at the Wii uh, the Wii U and go, we should have been there, and then jump on late, like that's <laughs> just kind of funny. Yeah. How else are they gonna do it, really? Unless they throw money at them, which they never money at, from my understanding. Like I don't know how else they do it. It's just really funny that they're like they're basically taking a stance of we'll go. Told ya. Might be better to throw money at them. Yeah, I, yeah, but they don't do that. Because I mean, by that the time if they actually do go like, oh, we should have been there, they might not even care anymore because. PS3 yeah. and PS4 might be out by then. And yeah. By then, they're just be like, oh, why yeah. don't support the Wii U at all? Yeah, it's it's yeah because once you have the next Xbox and PS4, it's kind of like, well, that's definitely a generate a bigger leap from what the Wii U is compared to the PS3 and 360. So if most developers are like, well, the Wii U is basically a PS3, even though it's not, they're not gonna go, well, it's weaker than PS4. I'll go ahead and support it if they were not even willing to support it because it's underpowered compared to current gen in their mind. So it's it's kind of a Nintendo's stuck in a weird situation. I mean. They are trying to address it. We've talked about it numerous times the Unity engine being free for all indie devs, the uh, Nintendo web framework to easily port games. Like they're trying to fill the void with other games and convince developers that wouldn't traditionally support the system to bring stuff over. But you know, it doesn't replace EA, for example. It doesn't replace 2K Games. Like you know, those are big glaring gaps. So we'll see. But uh, oh, I forgot one little part. I, one thing I want to say is obviously you can't even have third-party sales success with the Wii U's current supporting supporters if there's no sales. So before yeah. they can even expect the third parties that are currently supporting the system, Ubisoft, Warner Brothers, they have to sell they have to figure out their own momentum issues. And once they do that, then the third parties will be like, oh, cool. You know, the ones that are already on the system will be like, oh, cool, we're having successful games like maybe Rayman Legends, for example. And then from there, they're hoping other third parties will go, oh, well, boy, that Rayman did well. We should port a uh, blah 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 to the system. 
So it's like this whole domino effect they're trying to set up, and they, it seems like a long shot. Like, there's got to be a better way, like money hats, like you were saying, to do it. Money hats? Money hats. Just throw money at them. Get exclusive games. I don't know. But the other reason the Wii is doing so poorly, as we just said, is that moment, that failed momentum, and that's the second major reason that Nintendo thinks there's a problem with the Wii U. And they're finally main things we've known all along. Uh, they straight up confirmed during the investor presentation that the average consumer... I'm just going to read the quote, because we all know this, but the fact that I was saying it like some revelation. Some have the misunderstanding that Wii U is just Wii with a pad for games, and others even consider Wii U gamepad a peripheral device connected to the Wii, connectable to the Wii. We feel deeply responsible for, have tried, and for not having tried hard enough for, to have consumers understand the product. Really, Nintendo? You don't say. I sound very negative, but it's only because I care. But it's like, really, Nintendo? I mean, it wasn't like... It wasn't like uh, when the Wii U was first announced, everyone said you should change the name to Wii 2 or something. It wasn't like when they showed the console, everyone says it looks too much like the Wii. It wasn't like they literally just had this issue with the 3DS at launch, like we were saying earlier, and claimed they learned from that mistake only to repeat it. Like, it's just so weird that they're kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, we uh, we didn't think of that. Do they not focus group test? Uh, focus test? Anyway. Table history. I mean, <laughs> yeah. History repeats itself. But usually the people that make the mistake learn from it, and then someone else makes the mistake. Like, this is a horrible example. I don't even ask why the comparisons are being drawn. But genocide. <laughs> like, no, the people that learn about, like, horrible events don't make them. It's the people that don't necessarily, or don't make them as, as frequently. It's the people that never learned about it that are more likely to repeat it. Because they yep. didn't learn about the horrors. Like, it's obviously this is nowhere near the same caliber whatsoever. I'm just saying that, like, you would think Nintendo would learn from its mistakes. But, I mean, one point I want to make that is very true is that the Wii U doesn't have, like, an, I, an instant, like, light bulb going off, I get it type of moment, with like Wii Sports did for the Wii. So Nintendo actually has to, like, really hype up a bunch of different factors that users appreciate, like Miiverse and whatnot, in order to kind of fill that void and to have people, like, really get what the product's about and get the value and get why it's different and unique. So, we'll see. But, uh... Everyone gets a free we'll, Wii. We'll see. Yeah. We'll you. see. Wii U. See, you're making the same mistake. We'll see how successful it is. I All mean, right. They'll get a free Wii to get that message about the Wii U on the Wii. <laughs> yeah, they'll get the message. So they know that it's, it's time to... Uh, congrats on your Wii. It's time to upgrade to <laughs> Wii U. Hey, I mean, they got it for free. Yeah, but, I mean, Nintendo... To Nintendo's credit, they are starting, finally, to do some new marketing that will hopefully address these misconceptions. Because, I mean, it's one thing to just go, we know there's a problem, but pretty much simultaneously with the financial report coming out, they started launching new ads. So, specifically, uh, Nintendo actually launched a new wave of commercials on YouTube that they're basically infomercial testimonials of these families. They invite them to Nintendo. They're paid for being in the commercial. And they're basically going, oh, wow, this Wii U's nothing like what I expected. It's so unique, and this new controller is so great. I need this new console from Nintendo. Like, you know, it's very, like, it's different. Right, it's well, new. Yeah, we had a Wii. Right? Yeah, we had a Wii. Now it's time to upgrade to the Wii U. Like, they're literally treating it like an upgrade, which is actually kind of interesting because you never hear a console called an upgrade. iPads, sure. Phones, sure, every two years you get an upgraded for your phone. But usually a console sells itself on its own merits, as in like, oh, clearly the Xbox 360 is an upgrade to the Xbox, because look at these new Xbox Live features, look at achievements, look at the, the that old Blade UI it used to have that was very like detailed compared to the original Xbox menu. Like all that, the system sells itself and it proves it's an upgrade. But this time Nintendo has to go, hey, hey guys, th this is an upgrade. Like It's very backwards. But Miiverse, right? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I mean, Meverse, yeah, kind of sells itself. But how many people that don't even know the Wii U exists know what Meverse is? Like, it's kind of a yeah, weird so conundrum. People don't really care too much for social. Yeah, yeah, and plus, there's just networks. like, yeah, I mean, they're to say that. <laughs> yeah, social networks. But and Nintendo's further actually emphasizing that message. We just talked about the the uh, the Wii the message board message. They sent out to all Wii owners that had Wii Connect twenty four on. First of all, I went on Twitter after it happened. I don't think people understand how Wii Connect 24 works. There are so many people who are like, my Wii just turned itself on. I'm so scared. Is it possess... Like, literally, like, dozens of tweets that said that. Just people like, my Wii is scaring... Or my Wii is scaring me. It just turned on... It's, it's light turned on, but I didn't turn on the console. I don't think they know it's on standby by default, which is kind of... I mean, I know we're like, haha, we're nerds. We know how it works. But it's just kind of funny that, like, so many people are like, why is my Wii turning on? Who did... Th- Does someone have a Wiimote? Like, how'd that happen? But, um, yeah, they sent a message to... Come oh. out, Craig. I know you're heading to the Yeah. How long have you been back there? Have you been spying on me? But, yeah, it's, um... They sent out a message that literally said, it's time to discover the Wii U, and went on to call it more than just an upgrade, which actually kind of slightly contradicts with the commercials on YouTube where they're straight up calling it an upgrade. But I guess the message is, it's new. So, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of shocked Nintendo didn't even do any sort of messaging to current Wii owners before the Wii U came out. This would have been perfect if they released a message the week before in November. Just being like, uh, you know, basically the same message, like, discover the Wii U, it's this brand new system, but they can even throw in a, if they yeah, want, go... What the, they're doing with all their other games on the swap pass on yeah. the 3DS, it's like, we Yeah, exactly, they send stuff via swap bird, note. Like, like, oh, yeah. this game's coming out, oh, now he's a swap note, oh, it's coming yeah, out. They, yeah, they do swap note, they do notifications, they're really on top of it, but... Just the, making sure you know... Yeah, like, this seemed like... Animal Crossing's coming out. Yeah, they literally just the other day sent one, out. yeah, they sent one, like, remember, you can get Animal Crossing at midnight on June 9th, it's like, great, it's April 2nd, thank you. <laughs> or at the time, it was April 2nd, but, um... Yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't get why they didn't do this before. They could so easily be like, the perfect Christmas gift, and send it out to Wii owners in October, and then they'd be like, I'm going to get my kid the new Wii U come, come November. But no, they waited. So, that's another way they're doing it. That might actually be the most effective. I mean, and that could be the most effective in the sense that current Wii owners that still actually use their Wiis <laughs> might very happily be like, oh, a new system, okay. And they emphasize it plays all your game, almost all your games, all uses all your accessories. So, it's very like... You guys should check this out. It's a pretty cool new little thing. I mean, they've also yet, they've also yet to market NFC, so we'll yeah, have to see how they'll handle. Yeah, that. in Japan they just did that. Pokemon Rumble U just came out, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But um, on top of all this, because they need more ways to clear things up, except apparently TV commercials, which I haven't seen it yet. You'd think that'd be the most obvious. But a third way they're doing it is they're sending out flyers and booklets to stores that emphasize how new the Wii U is and how different it is. It's actually... Uh, we, we, we picked up our own copy of these books a week ago at Best Buy. But it's... Uh, they they kind of remember... Do you remember those old... They used to, around the GameCube era, GameCube and early DS era, they put out, like, catalogs, like, one for summer, one for holiday. It's, like, like nice, glossy, binded books. I remember one for the DS that was kind of big and fat. Yeah, they did a whole and bunch. Just being excited, like, oh, cool, it's free, and it's Nintendo. Yeah, right? yeah, that's yeah. my attitude back then. Pictures of Super Mario 64. Yeah, but basically... Oh, whoa, yeah. I, 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 that blew my mind. That blew your mind, of all the, things. Super Mario 64 is like, oh, Okay. Do any graphics on a handheld? Whoa, got a pen. <laughs> but anyway, I guess I could see that, because we, we only had Game Boy Advance previously. But, uh, yeah, they used to release those really regularly. When the Wii caught on and blew up, when the DS Lite blew up, they stopped, because they didn't need them anymore. Now they're back. Because they need them again. So, um, the system, you know, this booklet, it really just shows off the system. But what I thought was more interesting is they also have a flyer you can grab. Like a single sheet flyer. 
that compares the Wii U and the Wii directly via a checklist. Almost as if, like, which one's right for you? Do you want the Wii that can do all these things except one or two things? Or do you want the Wii that can do all those things plus the one or two things you don't understand, like Miiverse and Wii U chat? It's they like, forgot to include one that said GameCube compatibility. Yeah, well, I don't think they forgot. <laughs> but it just it, that struck me as kind of funny because, like, I don't think that's going to work how they intend in the sense that if you go, hey, here's the Wii and the Wii U. Both of them play uh, Wii games. Both of them use Wii remotes. Most Wii games. Most Wii games. Yeah, but most people don't care that much. Both of them use Wii remotes. Both of them stream videos. Both of them have a chat function. Keep in mind, the Wii had a... We speak. We speak. 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 Uh, Both of them have internet browsers. But the Wii U, it has a gamepad, a Miiverse, and Wii U chat. People are going to be like, what? What and what? (laughs) They don't explain it. There's just a checklist. So, I mean, if I saw We Speak versus Wii U Chat, I'd just be like, same thing, different name. Okay, I'll go with the one with We Speak. Like, it just seems... I don't know. It seems like they're almost, like, not saying the Wii is... It, once again, contradicts. Because you have the message to the Wii owners and the YouTube videos. They're like, it's an upgrade. You need it. And you have this checklist that's like, which one's right for you? They're equal. Just one's a more expensive one. And has a few extra features that you may or may not care about. So it's kind. Of, I think Nintendo's really just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks in terms of honing the message of, here's the Wii U, here's how we're addressing misconceptions, here's how the system will be better than what you currently own. So, we'll see. But, you know, regardless of what they have done, they, they clearly need to do more. And the internet's been abuzz with ideas, really. I mean, there's been things like, uh, you know, dropping the price and bundling in Nintendo Land rebranding the thing completely like calling it Wii 2 or maybe building on the U and do like Wii U or Wii Ultimate so they don't have to physically change the logo but it has a name that implies it's more than just a Wii Super Wii Mm -hmm. Uh, you know there's all sorts of ideas going out there and I I think I don't know I don't know how many of those are viable like I don't think a rebranding would actually work it would work but it'd be very messy they could call it Wii 2 sure but I don't think they should change the name of the console itself. They can very easily do... In Japan, when the... Ultimate makes more sense. Yeah, if they even do that. But in Japan, when they launched it, all the commercials went Super Wii, the Wii U. Right there. Super Wii, Super Nintendo. Next system. Makes sense. Okay, NES, Super Nintendo, Wii, Wii U. Like, they don't even have to change the name. They could just market it in such a way where it's like... You know, you had the Wii, now it's time for the Wii U. It's and the you only say the word... You the Wii U. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they could even do some cheesy... Like, it's not the Wii 2, it's the Wii U. And it's not, or it's not just a Wii 2, it's a Wii U. You know, there's... Whoops, I just kicked the table we're recording on. But there's many ways they could approach this without actually changing the name. Because if they change the name, that requires a full rebranding. That means changing what they actually print on the controller, the logo. That means changing the firmware to have the new logo. I mean, PS3 did it. They went from Spider-Man font to that squiggly one that they currently have. Mm-hmm. But they also redesigned the console at the time. Actually, and it, it's still Spider-Man phone, just not as bold. No, it's not Spider-Man. Yeah, look at the 3s. It's the same. No, hold on. They're the same. No, here's a 3. Here's. Luckily, we're surrounded by PlayStation products on our Nintendo podcast. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, no, look there's just as many Look Nintendo at this 3, look at, the, look at the curves. Uh-huh. And then look at the 3 on there, and look at the curves. This one has extra little ridges coming in. Oh. Different font. Uh, from, from here, they look kind of the same. Yeah, there. but I mean, they're similar. But see, Sony did a complete rebranding of sorts, and it worked, but... It makes the shelf look kind of nasty. What? The, the logos, they don't line up nicely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but there, there's issues with, like, now stuff like... I don't know. Well, the, P, the 
I guess if the PS3 could do it, the Wii U could, but I just don't... I think it'd be better if they didn't. I think it'd be much better, because, like, that's a... Yeah, they're they, just they don't starting... look that much different. It's going from, like, Wii, Wii yeah. U. But... Yeah, you know what? Actually, you know what I think it is with the PS3, the reason it worked? I think it worked because, um... I think it worked because the PS3 already was getting an overhaul. They didn't go, we're going to try and sell the PS3 as it... I mean, they did, but they didn't, like reinvent the marketing for the ps3 and then reinvent the ps3 it was a conscious effort early on to go ps3 isn't selling boom new ps3 logo boom new console design like they gave it a year it didn't quite work and they moved on nintendo's already trying different strategies already trying to sell the wii u first they sold it as a new con as a you know the wii u check out this dubstep commercial and that didn't work now they're trying upgrade to the wii u so if they didn't come out with wii 2 all the people that heard the message upgrade to wii you're gonna be like so which one am i upgrading to like it's different because the marketing messages have already changed rapidly ps3 they went with one message it didn't work they reinvented so i think it's too late for a true reinvention but i think they could definitely do a slogan a slogan that's like it's the wii yeah those rooms they kept those rooms for a while the creepy white rooms but yeah i think i think they could definitely do some sort of like marketing change it's 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 not just the wii 2 it's the wii u in fact they should really call the gamepad the u-pad or something it's the wii u it's a wii plus a gamepad it's like a wii hd plus a gamepad like honestly if they're like it's a wii hd plus a game plus this new controller i no actually that wouldn't work see this is what's the problem for nintendo is because if you say wii hd people are like i'm fine with an sd wii so mm-hmm. it's tricky it's very tricky but Hopefully Nintendo figures it out, and they're, like I said, they're throwing everything. Oh, you said any people were done supporting the Wii. Just get the Wii <laughs> if you want to keep playing our games. Well, I mean, <laughs> no, they're. Uh, but hopefully they do sort it out because actually what happened. Yeah, but right now they're just throwing stuff at the wall. So you know, whatever sticks sticks. One thing they are being clear that they are going to use to promote the Wii, the Wii U. See, even I'm mixing them up. And I think this one's actually a very good idea. Is they're explaining and emphasizing what Miiverse is. They're really bringing that out as like the the, the system seller. Which, if you put it on a checklist, like I was saying, and people are like, Miiverse? Then it doesn't work. But if you are like, check out Miiverse, the social network of the Wii U, and like build marketing around that, that could work. It is a, it is a very yeah, unique it's a, thing. It's a thing you never knew you wanted. It's... And then when you had it, you loved it. I mean, and to coincide, they even, Nintendo, Iwata said during the Nintendo... And I think it's better, I mean, not with the PC app and all that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is uh, Iwata said during the investor meeting... We're going to emphasize Miiverse. In fact, starting now, because it coincided not coincidentally, Miiverse can be accessed from your from a web browser. Bam. Yeah, and then it literally flipped the switch. They flipped the switch during the investor meeting. That was, that was him clapping and it Oh, oh was it? He, we somehow teleported him here to clap. <laughs> no, 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 no. In the sense that he clapped uh, and then someone flipped the big switch right when he clapped. Yeah, a huge, it was a huge like lever that they had to like, it was like one of those like giant ones they have to like lean over and yank back. Yeah. Or, yeah. or it was set up to a clapper and he just went... And the lights turned on, and, and the meters turned people on. People were clapping, and, and then it went off and on, and it yeah, got hit. And, and that's how they were like server trouble. Yes, exactly. But <laughs> no, um, what he, what they, what I think is smart about uh, the web version, though, actually, is so they launched it simultaneously. Approved. Look, we're showing people what Meverse is, and you can't actually log into Meverse unless you have a Wii U. All you can do is browse the most popular content, which. Is generated by basically crowdsourcing. We determine the Wii U owners determine what's popular. So you're getting a sample of Miiverse and seeing the potential of how cool it is, but you don't get to interact with it unless you get the Wii U. So it's kind of a very clever way of doing it. Like they show you preview pages for some of the most popular games. So that's, it's actually pretty clever. But um, yeah, the only way you can actually post is you have to make a Nintendo Network ID on your Wii U, and once you have that, you can then log in on your web browser with that same ID. So it's, it's you know Nintendo did that smartly and. 
You know, honestly, I actually love the web browser version. You know, it'd be nice to post. And you post yeah, well, it's in beta right now. So. But, but it makes sense. I mean, maybe I doubt they really care this much about the drawing thing, but maybe they want to make sure that people are drawing exclusively from the gamepad. No, they've said before that they're eventually going to roll out the ability to post and draw from other devices, which sounds absurd because how you draw with a finger on, like, an iPhone, but... But they they said that at a GDC. Oh, well, I mean, like, oh, okay, I guess that's the case. Yeah, right now it's in beta. I'd like to draw with my tablet because... Uh, yeah, because you have a Wacom, or however you pronounce it. I think it's Wacom. It might be Wacom or Wacom. Wacom? Like a, like a Wacom. whack-a-mole? Wacom. Because uh, sometimes I do close the blinds, especially on the DS with slot low, I sometimes turn off my console. It's really annoying. Wait, as you're drawing? You yeah. just accidentally turn off the console? You have to hold the, that power the 3DS. button. You have to hold the power button for a second. Well, yeah, because the way I lean my Wait, hand... Wait, the 3DS prompts you before turning off. Like, are you sure you want to turn no, off? No, 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 that's not like... Because when you press the home button after that, it it turns off the software. Uh, so everything I did up to that gotcha. point... Gotcha. Like, so many yeah. lost slot notes because of that. And the world suffers because of it. Yep, so many riddles and solves <laughs> and drawings and things. But yeah, no, uh, but Miiverse... Um, I notice I'm checking it a lot more because uh, you can get it on your smartphone, you can browse it on a PC. The interface is really clean. It's really fast, much faster than it loads on the Wii U, oddly, or at least until the update hit. Um, it, it's just really cool. Like I used to check it, and be like, oh, I have to go turn on the Wii U to go check Miiverse, and that sounds like this is such like first world problem. Like you'd be like, oh, I have to. I'm currently in one room with my laptop, and I need to go walk to the other room and sit down and turn on the TV and turn on the Wii U, and boom, it's 20 seconds later. I'm only first now loading it, and the impulse is kind of gone. But now they have it on my smartphone. Like, it has its own dedicated icon, which is cool that Nintendo thought of that. So you can have it almost like a fake app. Now I use it all the time. Like, literally, I check it like eight, nine, ten times a day. Just like, I have a second kill, I'll check Twitter, I'll check Miiverse, I'll check Instagram. Like, just one, two, three. Like, it's, yeah, it's, I'm loving it. And it is cool that you can reply. They didn't enable posting because it's in beta. They didn't enable a whole, you can't follow, you can't view followers, you can't make friends, you can't view friend requests. All that's coming. But it's cool that you can at least, like, read stuff and reply to stuff and yes stuff. Like, those are the core. Really, it's more for... The beta is more of a passive experience. You're just there consuming the information. If you want to create the content, you really have to go to the Wii U. Which, you know, kind of makes a bit a bit of sense that Nintendo would initially... If they can only get one feature set going, it'd be the feature set that makes you want to go use the Wii U more, not the one that lets you use it less. Yeah. So, so it, it is a very cool app. And Nintendo also reconfirmed that uh, Miiverse will be hitting the 3DS later this year. Uh, they... Think it's a great pro- cross off promotional opportunity. You replace that little the gamepad app or whatever. Oh, the notepad. The notepad. Yeah. Well, no, the notepad can be handy. I think it's gonna replace the friends list. The friends list. Yeah, but probably most, but combine like with every Miiverse. game that I would make me need. Let's, a notepad comes with a notepad. Has a notepad. Yeah. Like, Virtue that the word has it. I bet you. I bet you you would. Oh yeah, even like Zelda: Phantom Hourglass. And yeah, Spirit they all Tracks give you it. notepads. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they might swap it out. But, um, I mean, they probably won't. Maybe they'll just squeeze it in there. Who knows? Either way, though, they're, the main reason to bring it to 3DS, besides the obvious, like, oh, it'd be cool, is, once again, because they want to market the Wii U, cross-promotional opportunities. I was saying that, you know, the major advantage of bringing Miiverse to the 3DS is suddenly all these 13 million 3DS owners, or I mean, not 13, 31 million, sorry, uh, 3DS owners are going to go, oh, there's some cool stuff on Wii U, because they're going to browse the Wii U stuff, and vice versa. Uh, everyone on Wii U is going to go, oh, there's some cool stuff on 3DS. I mean, Luigi's Mansion was trending on my Wara Wara Plaza. God, that sounds weird to say. <laughs> Luigi was trending on my Wara Wara. Uh, it was trending on my Wara Wara Plaza as one of the most talked about, most played games this past week. Luigi's Mansion, a 3DS game. Yeah. So that, you know, there's plenty of cross-promotional opportunity. So that, 
plus all the other stuff they're trying to do to fix the Wii U. I think that is that's how Nintendo hopes and plans to turn around the Wii U. Well, yeah. So that, in a nutshell, is the financial re- news itself. That's what Nintendo, the beef of Nintendo's financial report. They did, however, announce... Too long didn't listen? Yeah, too long didn't... Yeah, I mean... Neighbors says they're saving grace. Yeah, it's, but we talked about it for a little under an hour, and the general message is Nintendo knows they screwed up, they're going to fix stuff, but it may take some time. So enjoy Miiverse on your phone. <laughs> That's essentially it. But they did announce two other very big things in their financial report that wasn't quite related to the finances, but they, you know, it just seemed like the right time to announce it. Arguably the biggest, possibly even bigger than these, you know, how are we going to fix the Wii U moments because there's everything we, people have been telling them to do. There's no E3 press conference this year. Nintendo is skipping their annual Tuesday morning, bright and early extravaganza of a show. That thing we wake up to The thing we wake up to, the thing I've been to before and in the Kodak Theater, which is where the Oscars are held. Man, that was awesome. I was there for the Wii in 2006. That was, that's the first time they showed games. That was when Miyamoto came out in a conductor outfit and conducted a virtual orchestra that then morphed into a rock symphony as he showed off Excite Truck and Red Steel. No. Yeah, it was really cool. But um, point being, Nintendo's choosing not to hold any sort of major E3 press conference this year. Instead, they're going to be holding two. They're going to be holding more than two, multiple smaller media events. The two big ones, biggest, will be on Tuesday morning of E3 week, which is when Norm- Nintendo normally does their big blowout press conference that's on TV and whatnot. Instead, they're going to have a hands-on demo time for select media members at their booth three hours before the show floor opens. So they'll have a private, no lines, just play the games time and then simultaneously in nokia theater where they've held their press conference the last few years they're gonna hold a smaller less flashy event that's gonna mainly be for their their partners their you know like retailers investors third-party execs uh analysts and they're all gonna go to that which is just gonna be like the, the pie charts and the demographic info and here's our games and here's the bullet points of why they're gonna sell well so the reason for this change is uh, Iwata said during the investor meeting that um, the goal really is to be able to update the public and the, pe- the partners that need to know things in the most efficient fashion possible. Uh, it's kind of like in the past, the press conference was really like a two birds, one stone sort of thing, where it's like, okay, we're going to just blow it out. We're going to have all this game stuff for gamers and all this sales stuff for the salespeople. But obviously, there were many times. Remember all the debates like, who won E3? Who had the best press conference? Nintendo would lose because they focus on casual games one year or show too many sales charts or this that or next thing so then gamers would be upset and their core fans would be complaining or on the flip side they'll show too, uh, they won't show enough sales charts or enough stuff and all the investors and whatnot there will be like well the games look great but i don't know what this means for their future like i don't know how they're gonna do this or like mm-hmm. how they're who they're, how they're gonna address this market mean. like yeah it i mean they kind of know like yeah, if they show them. mario they'll understand but it's really a balancing act now, i saw mario for a little bit i'm not sure if the whole game was about him yeah, like... <laughs> but he was there. He was there, but I don't know if the new mechanic's gonna really sell it. But Nintendo could go, well, we're gonna market it with this and this and this, and we're gonna team up with McDonald's, and, da-da-da. and then they're like, oh. So they really had to find a balance between the two in the past. But now they have Nintendo Direct, and they're reaching pretty much that same gamer audience that they had reached previously that required, you know, that ate up half their press conference. They, they claim that anywhere between 500, on average, 500 to 600,000 people view Nintendo Directs in the eShop alone. That's not including the YouTube views, the Nintendo.com views, anything like that. Within 10 days of a Nintendo Direct being posted, they get half a million views in the eShop alone. So they think that they have an audience there where they can just push out a Nintendo Direct whenever, which they've already been doing, and you know people will gravitate towards that to watch 
the news. They don't need to have a flashy press conference. They could just do a lower budget video. Uh, and then they could still have the investor stuff with all the pie charts for the investors. So that's essentially why they're not doing a press conference in their mind. Plus, Nintendo Directs can be regionalized in the sense, I don't think that's a word, in the sense that, you know, uh, Europe can have one, America can have one, and Japan can have one, and they'll overlap, but they'll also have specifics like their own release dates. The big E3 press conferences were super America centric. It'd be like, you know, Star Fox comes out, Star Fox Command comes out this August on DS. Sure, in America. In Japan, it might be July. In Europe, it might be November. But they're only saying America. But now they can actually give tailored messages to the correct audiences. It's always one date, one price. Yep, it's all Amer- it's all American, American. But uh, so I mean, I guess we should have seen this coming, right? Like Nintendo Directs have kind of taken over for what E3 was. We've already seen E3 caliber announcements come out of Nintendo Direct. Yeah. We just had a link to the it, past. If they hadn't too. said anything, that would have been their press conference right there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, A Link to the Past 2 would definitely have been safe for E3 in the past. All the far-off stuff, like here's Yarn Yoshi, here's Wind Waker HD, here's Bayonetta 2, which was announced ages ago. Like, all that stuff could easily have been at Nintendo's press conference. At Nintendo's press conference. So there's definitely, like, a logical point to what I was saying in that, you know, they're giving us the info anyway, so why do it in a big, flashy press conference? They could do it cheaper and more steadily over a set period I mean, of time. they're going to have another big Nintendo Direct before that. Oh, they, they already said they're going to have multiple ones leading up to E3. Huh. So, yeah, we'll get plenty. But, yeah, they're just going to stagger it. So they can still get their message out, and they can still do it well, and it could be more about... Like, they might not, for example, at E3, they might not go, here's 20 games you don't know about, because we already know about, like, 20. But they might go, here's new information on A Link to the Past, which we just revealed six weeks ago. And they'd be like, oh, hey... Like, they can put out info at a more steady clip, which is obviously better for them. Plus, there won't be the debates of Nintendo sucked at E3 this year, Nintendo was awesome at E3. Obviously, they want awesome, but the, like they suck compared to Sony. Like, well, they weren't on the same... They're not on the same footing. You can't really compare them. So it's going to be more about the games and the experiences than, like... It's Cammy saying you smile too much in the press conference. That, um, they weren't going to E3 at all, but a lot of people seem to like, jump the gun. Yeah, no, people okay. misunderstood. Nintendo actually... All that information about what they're doing on Tuesday with the different events, they had to release, NOA released that, Nintendo America released that the next morning because there's such a backlash to the news about Nintendo missing E3. But once the proper translation came out, came out of the investor meeting and Nintendo's own statement for North America, it became clear that they're there, in force, there's not having a press conference on TV. So, there's also, I mean, there's, you know, the advan- there's obviously the advantage of uh, the cost being saved, too. Because uh, what I was saying during to the investors that Nintendo's hoping to you know, spend their advertising ex- ex- expenses very efficiently this year to help them maintain, get to that 100 million yen goal. Like, you know, that'd be very, not frugal, but just very strategic. So, which makes more sense if you're, you know, trying to save money. Have some green-screened HD filmed videos, you know, on like a nice camera, or like go rent out the Nokia theater, deck it out with like virtual fireworks of Nintendo Land, build these elaborate sets with like 20 screens on them. And then set up a live stream and work with TV network. Like obviously, Nintendo Directs are the more affordable option. So even from my saving angle, it makes a lot more sense. But the flip side of all this, in my mind, is that uh, mainstream media is not really going to pay as much attention. One of the great things about the press conferences, one of the things gamers hated actually, because you know, it'd be like you focus too much on Wii Fit, and the response would be, "Well, USA Today wanted to hear about Wii Fit, so we focused on Wii Fit." Uh, CNN, New York Times, all those guys. They are definitely going to Sony and Microsoft press conferences, no doubt. Like, they're going to go, they're going to cover the glitz and the, and the craziness. Are they going to go cover a pre-recorded video by Nintendo with the same, like, fervor? No. They're not going to, like, 
You know what I mean? Like, sure, they might put a sentence in a report like, E3 this right. week, and Nintendo announced the new Zelda, and Sony and Microsoft did this. Boom, cut to footage. Like, they're not going to give it the same attention if it's just a video. And they're and they're def- I guarantee they're definitely going to be in the, every Sony article and se- every Microsoft article, because they're all going to reference each other. They'd be like, Sony showed off the PlayStation 4, and Microsoft uh, gave more information and, on the and, new Xbox. And Nintendo, and Nintendo was oddly... Uh, was oddly inactive at this E3. They had games and they had announcements, but they chose not to hold a press event. Or they'll say something like, the glitz and glam of Sony and Microsoft greatly overshadowed the uh, the great games that got less attention because Nintendo didn't have glitz and glam. You know, like, the, the mainstream media always does that weird, like, juxtaposition things that are going to totally... I mean, there's still things to look forward to for E3. Like, oh, I'm not I'm... saying it's going to be bad. No, 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 no yeah. but I mean, like, I forgot that, um... Iwata said they would have a screenshot of Brawl. Or, not Brawl. No. The next match for the They'll day. have more than a screenshot. They'll have footage. Possibly gameplay. Oh. Last time it just a screenshot. Mm-mm. They always said they are going to show first footage. That was of the Mario Kart and... No. no Mario, Kart, Mario, Mario Kart and Mario 3D Land playable. are playable and uh, Brawl will be shown off in presumably video form. Wow. But I think they said video form. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a screenshot. No. No. Screen... Screenshots not worth hyping. That's why I was confused. No, I, I, th- I think it's I think it's video. If not gameplay, they might have gameplay. That'd be awesome. But um, the other the other downside I just want to say real quick about the press conference. This is uh, this is a bit more selfish. Is I'm gonna miss it. I like the excitement. I like the hype. I like the you know it's really fun for fans. The build up to it, the hype going into it, the live tweeting of it, all the memes that come out of it. I mean, my body is ready. Came from a Nintendo press conference. Reggie said it. But now it's like everyone on the internet uses it. Like, it's like an internet-wide meme. That came from Nintendo. Even the Nintendo-specific ones. You got, uh, like, I am a big purple Pikmin. <laughs> random, uh, red, you know, Reggie saying that around, things like that. Or, like, those moments, like, Twilight Princess being unveiled for the first time in 2004, where, like, the journalists, like, freaked out and started crying and whatnot. And there's video of, like, never-ending screaming, screams of joy. Like, that stuff is going to be gone. And it's going to be kind of well, sad. this year, I mean... They probably won't do it again. Well, they're saying they're experimenting with the format. If this works for them, they have no reason to spend so much money on a press conference again. If it doesn't work, yes, we'll get a press conference back. But my interpretation of this is, if it works, that's it. No more press conferences. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sony and Microsoft follow Nintendo's lead. They already have separate events for their unveilings. It used to be E3s where you unveil stuff. Now, Sony's already unveiled PS4. Microsoft's unveiling the new Xbox on May 21st. And then showing, and then the two of them are both showing off the games and more information at E3. And I've been using them as the big unveilings well, anymore. It's because the convention center is turning into some. Sp- well, they were never at the convention center. They were at uh, theaters around town. Oh, well, I mean, why are they? And the convention center will be open in part during E3. That, that was actually guaranteed to get E3 to stay in LA till 2016 or whatever it is. They had to work with the people that are supposedly going to build Farmers Field, which is the new football stadium in LA, which would be built on top of a part of the convention, old convention center site. Uh, they had to work with them basically to say E3 will be untouched. Like, you can still do E3 in full force. Oh. But what I really think is, is companies are realizing it, it's much better. And this is what Nintendo realized with Nintendo Direct and why they're so successful. It's much more efficient in terms of getting the word out to have your own event. Sony got way more viewers of the PS4 unveiling on a random Tuesday in February or whatever, Thursday in February, than an E3 press conference where there's so much other news. Why compete with all that other news where you have the spotlight to yourself? Why should Nintendo announce 20 games in an hour-long period, and then have to sneak five more into a press kit that they couldn't even have time for announce. They didn't even have time for announce, which they did every year. Always the Kirby game it was never in the press rele- press conference, but it was always in the press kit, which is kind of funny. But uh, yeah, why do that when you have your own day? They all learned from Apple because Apple would always do their own thing. They never go to major trade shows. They just 
Tuesday we're announcing the new iPhone. Check it out. And it'd be all over the news. Everyone would cover it. I mean, whenever there's Nintendo Direct, it's all over the front page of GameStop. Or GameStop. GameSpot, IGN. All those guys. It's just like a wall of Nintendo news that day. So it's very smart to do it that way. And I wouldn't be surprised if the press conferences kind of fall to the wayside. Or at least the ones during E3. The real question is, will Nintendo ever do live shows again? Or will they stick to pre-recorded directs? Mm. But... That, that was one piece of big news that came out of the investor conference that was not in financial aid. The other is that Nintendo of America got a new CEO. Oh? They, yeah, they, uh, the chairman and CEO of Nintendo of America was previously a guy named Tatsumi Kimishima. Did I say that right, you think? No, for And uh, he's been in that role since 2000. Oh, it's Kimishima. Kimishima? But, okay. Kimishima, yeah, you're right, you're right. I used either, right. either one, I don't know. Uh, but, Kimishima, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so either way. He was the dude in charge since 2006. He wasn't the public face of the company, obviously. That was Reggie, who is COO, Chief Operating Officer, and President. But the chairman and CEO was this other guy. He, however, is no longer the CEO. He was sent over to Japan for the new role of uh, General Manager of NCL. That's Nintendo Corporate Limited, the technical name of Nintendo's main hub in Japan, in Kyoto. So in his place is a man we're all very, very familiar with. Not Reggie, but Iwata. Iwata is now going to not just be the president and CEO of Nintendo Global, Nintendo Company Limited, but he's also going to specifically be the CEO of Nintendo of America. And Reggie will stay on board as COO and president. So the two of them are basically tag-teaming as leaders of the company. So Nintendo claims that this... Sounds more streamlined. Yeah, and that's what Nintendo's aiming for. Nintendo actually... uh, They claim that the move was designed to support the company's uh, more unified global strategy, which... uh, will allow for streamlined decision-making and enhance Nintendo's organizational ability. In other words, it can turn things around a whole lot faster in a time when they really need to, because, you know, the Wii U, for example, they could have seen the market, they could have seen the writing on the wall in December, but it could have taken due to whatever red tape and bureaucracy within the organization until, say, February or March to address it. Hypothetically, this is all hypothetical. Now, if I was the guy right there, they could probably turn that around in half the time or something. Just hypothetically. I don't actually know how they work internally, but, um... In reality, it does mean that one of two things happened that led to this random shake What well, seems like a very random shakeup. Either Nintendo in Japan, NCL, actually gave NOA a lot of freedom to do what they want, and then when it didn't work out, NCL said, okay, we're taking that back now. You guys botched the Wii U. We'll go ahead and uh, take over again. Or the opposite is that NCL is really the puppeteer of NOA, as many suspect. They think NOA is just like... You know, NCL pulls the strings, NOA doesn't make decisions, they just act on the decisions made by NCL. If that's the case, this just takes out the middleman, who is uh, our buddy Tatsumi, and they, you know, they take him out, and now it's just Reggie reporting directly to Iwata. They're, the, the, the puppeteer is now closer to the puppet. They have to go through, you know what I mean? Yeah, take out the middleman. Yeah, take out the middleman. So, either way, whichever one of those that was, it's, I would say it's a good move that could potentially lead to positives things, depending on what Iwata does. I mean, in Japan, he had a major role in negotiating with third parties. That's why Capcom is so big on the platform now. Monster Hunter being exclusive, that was Iwata's doing. We didn't get Darkstalkers. No, we didn't. But we got a lot of others. Like, we got their biggest franchise. So, you could conceivably argue that Iwata can make the same type of deals with Western publishers directly, because if he's CEO of Nintendo America, it's a whole lot easier to go, hey, our Western branch wants to work with you Western devs. Yeah, let's make it happen. Now, granted, based on what I said in the financial meeting that we talked about earlier, they are not going to quite do that because he said that he wants to make them regret not supporting it. He didn't quite say that. He just says he wants... 
What he said was he wants... I want to clarify. What he said was uh, he wants the ha- the ones that do support to be happy, so then the ones that don't support feel bad, it being the Wii U. So, assuming he doesn't only take that strategy and actually tries to reach out to Western third parties, that could potentially be good. He clearly is able to do it in Japan. Square Enix, too. Also brought a lot of stuff to DS and 3DS. Um, or, the second great thing that could come... Or, or, and or, the second great thing that could come of it is we could perhaps see some more uh, parallel development of games between America and Japan in two ways. One, Japan gets a lot more games than we do. Tomodochi Connection just came out. That's a... Speech driven. Oh, there's a different culture over there. Different yeah, games, yeah, different they have different markets. games, but there's a lot of games that just never came over. Operation Rainfall. That remember could, that? that? Should have been here. Yeah, like yeah. for whatever reason, NOA just passed on them. Maybe with Iwata on top, they'll start being more global in terms of their output. So it'll be the same games everywhere. But like, if, we might not get a Captain Rainbow or something really out there, but, but we like could probably get money at Capcom to bring the Ace Attorney games kind of thing. Or? No, I was thinking more like first party, like because Nintendo they published. The other Chibi Zeno Robo Saga, the yeah, thing. the other Chibi Robo, Xeno Saga, Pandora's Tower, all that stuff. Mother, uh, Earthbound taking forever to get here. Like if Ninten- if the guy that's running Nintendo Japan is running Nintendo America, I feel like it just makes more sense. And Nintendo's talking about a unified global strategy and whatnot. I feel like it just makes more sense for their portfolio of games to mirror itself on both continents and Europe too. Like, why have all these like? We're gonna put this in Japan, but nowhere else, and we're gonna like they don't even have Western games that they don't release in Japan to make up for it. It's just like we're missing games. Mm-hmm. So presumably, if I was in charge and he wants to streamline and unify, that would presumably mean the same portfolio in every region. Or the flip side of that is in the N sixty four days when uh the I don't even remember who CEO was, but one of the main like negotiators at Nintendo, one of the high up guys, the Reggie of the time, was a dude named Howard Lincoln in the Super Nintendo N64 game days. And he was in charge of a lot of Western games happening. I mean, we had, remember Left Field Sports with, like, Kobe Bryant basketball and Ken Griffey baseball? Those were, like, the no. the ends. You don't remember the N64 sports line? Nintendo had their own first-party sports games. I don't think I would remember any kind of sports uh, Well, they had their own, and they did, they were pretty fun. I played uh, the Kobe Bryant one and the Ken Griffey one, N64. So they had those. They had Rare, which was Western. They had... Re- that, that's when they picked up retro was under these guys management like they really uh, NST had a much bigger role than just pumping out Mario versus Donkey Kong titles I mean they did Wave Race Blue Storm uh, among other things uh, they had oh you know who Left Field is they're the ones that did Excite Bike 64 there's Excite Bike 64 wow you are so uneducated about Nintendo N64 lineup just yeah. kidding but they're the ones that like negotiated with LucasArts to bring all the uh, Star Wars games to N64 and GameCube the fact that like remember how they're like four or five Star Wars games on N64, which is just kind of random. Like, why are there so many Star Wars games? Like, you had Pod Racer, you had Rogue Squadron, like, all just these random Star Wars games. Howard Lincoln and the team at NOA negotiated with LucasArts to make those exclusive for Nintendo. They are the ones that put together the N64 Dream Team, as it was called, which was all these major developers. Take-Two, it's, uh... Is that why Star Wars was, like, on the box of the N64? Yeah. Like, I mean, not even, like, a screenshot of a game, but, like, Stormtroopers and... Oh, they had a bundle. Yeah, yeah, they did a bundle with, with LucasArts where they included Shadow of the Empire with the N64 at one point. A special bundle. Kind of like the Zombie U bundle in Europe. Or even in America, they have a Zombie U bundle. But, you know, just stuff like... Oh, I thought the box just had, like, random characters. No, 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 it, uh... Oh, you're right. Yeah, because I remember it had... Yeah, they also had a Shadow of the Empire bundle. But, yeah, no, you're right. That's why. They, they were very big on reaching out to Western developers and creating a Western portfolio that might not have been identical to the Japanese one because different cultures, as you were saying before. But had parity in the sense that it's the same number of games. So, 
I walk could potentially do any of those things, and I'm really excited to see what he does because I don't th- this I don't think this is just like a title change. I think this is an actual shift in how Nintendo's got operated in America. At least I hope so. I really hope so. Every time will tell. Indeed, and that wraps up everything from the investor meeting. That was only an, an hour. hour and a quarter. But there's actually some other news um, outside of Nintendo's investor meeting. Believe it meeting. or not, believe it or not, that's actually you know there's some very cool stuff in the pipe. This is really in the pipeline. This is really uh, games. Games coming out. There's a bunch of interesting stuff from indies, from mainstream, some confirmed, some not. So we're going to run through that. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some recent Wii U downloadable stuff that happened, including our impressions of Rayman, Tank and Tank, and Pan- uh, Panorama View, which are all still coming, I promise. So uh, let's. I guess let's start with some new Wii U games, yeah? Why not? You sound thrilled. Uh, <laughs> so one that's kind of interesting, it's currently um, it's coming from an indie dev, and it's the spiritual successor if you will to a road rash remember road rash that's kind of a fun game it's by it's by ea at the time combat motorcycle racing exactly yeah you were like driving down the road it was like super hang on or one of those like you know behind the back motorcycle racing games but then you know you just had a chain and you could whip people (laughs) or other weapons like throw wrenches at their faces or whatever so it's now coming back in a way on the wii u with uh, a new game called road redemption which is being made by a company called Dark Seas Games. They actually have pretty good pedigree. They're made up of developers behind titles like God of War uh, Ascension and God of War 3, I believe. Uh, the NBA 2K10 and 2K11 games, Star Wars The Old Republic, Epic Mickey, all these guys from all these development teams left those companies, formed Dark Seas Games, and are now making this essentially a new Road Rash called Road Redemption. They got, the, they got the go-ahead and the approval of the co-creator of Road Rash as well. So, like, he's in on it in the sense that it's true to form. Uh, but, sorry, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, so the thing that they're going to do with Road Redemption that is different from Road Rash is they're going to upgrade in major ways in terms of, obviously, the graphics. Uh, specifically, they're going to, it's going to be fully 3D, it's going to run on the Unity engine, it's going to have ragdoll physics, it's going to have all these very, what they're calling very intense crashes and all these destructible environments, and online multiplayer they're really bringing it to the current era so it's the same core idea they're just upgrading everything about it uh the single player there's gotta have a single player mode there's gotta be rpg style elements where you're collecting upgrades and collecting various tools and whatnot um you can take on you can get more by completing missions and earning money and you know it's that whole cycle that's very common in racers like need for speed but for road rash basically uh, and, of course, this is all assuming it can make its goal of $160,000 on Kickstarter. Right now, it's 60000 short of that goal, and there's about a week to go, as of the time this podcast is recorded. Very doable. I think it's doable, and I think I would like to see it happen. Just because, like, Road Rash is fun, and this is really... It's taking Road Rash, and it's bringing it to modern times. And it got the approval of the Road Rash guys, so I'd love to see Road Redemption. And it proves that Nintendo's strategy with indies is working. The only reason Road Redemption is even coming to Wii U... And it's not like a stretch goal or any sort of like, well, we might bring it to Wii U, we'll let you know. Is because of Nintendo including Unity for free with Wii U dev kits. They're building it on Unity. They're going, oh, well, it's dirt cheap, let's bring it over. And they specifically have said that's why it's coming to the Wii U. So, if, you know, if, if this is just one of many examples of games that are coming to the Wii U because of Nintendo's indie policy with the web framework and with Unity. So it's, got, it's cool to see it working. And it's cool that it's a game of interest. Another indie game that is potentially of interest for totally different reasons, is uh, called Tengami. And this is this one's of particular interest because it's actually being made by a group of 4X Rare developers 
who uh, had now formed a new company called Nyam Yam or Niam Yam or Niam Yam. Niam Yam. I'm gonna say Niam Yam. And it, uh, it's the the game itself is actually it's like if Road Redemption was like in your face, like yeah, I'm I'm, I'm whipping someone with a chain as I ride a motorcycle while dodging a big rig while you know driving under falling boulders. This one's like I'm exploring very calmly and tranquil, very calm and tranquil worlds. You're taking on the role of a samurai, and uh, he's not just a samurai; he's a samurai made of paper craft. And you're in a world... He's an origami samurai. He's an origami samurai. And he's in a world that resembles a rice paper pop-up book. They found, like, the specific type... The developers were saying in some video I was watching that they found, like, a specific type of pop-up book in Japan made of a specific type of paper that presents colors in specific ways. And they actually got the license to digitally recreate this paper that this one company makes. And they built the whole world with oh. this paper. So it's this very, like... Like, very kind of... Stun. It's actually kind of stunning. It has this like cool like paper pop up but come to life vibe. Everything kind of moves like you know it's like paper, so it kind of like wobble. But it's uh, I think Paper Mario. Not like Paper Mario. It's like Paper Mario meets like Chasing Aurora. Like it has like that very. It's like similar hues of Chasing Aurora and similar like uh, you know very like clean lines and vectory. But it's also paper. Yeah. It's because origami and Paper Mario are very different types of how you can use paper. So this is more origami than it is Paper Mario, but it's the same idea of paper. And the whole thing's controlled with touch. And basically all you're doing in the game is exploring the world and interacting with the environment and just, you know, hanging out in this world of Tengami. So it's actually, originally it was coming to the iPad, which is why it's all touch-centric, and then they're going to bring it to Wii U in early 2014 following the iPad release. Wow. But it sounds cool. I mean, the, the game looks great. Like, you should watch, have you, you probably haven't seen the trailer yet, have you? I have not. Yeah, you should check out Trey. All of you listening, actually. Um, it's as of this recording. Yeah, as this recording. But um, well, you just found out about it when I mentioned it this afternoon. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, it looks really cool. I we have a trail. We have a link. Nintendo Life, the gang over at Nintendo Life, the site uh, had the exclusive on the unveiling of the Wii U version. So we have linked to their article with the trailer. If you go around town dot com, click on episode forty two challenge accepted. Scroll down to the news section. It's about halfway down that list, and you can check it out. Uh. One other game that's coming to Wii U is also indie, is also made from former developers at a big name company, but this one is not 100% confirmed yet. I guarantee, but at the time this podcast is being recorded and being posted, it won't be guaranteed, but in the days following, it will be guaranteed. Like, that's how sure it is. They just haven't actually announced it. So what it is, is the spiritual successor to Eternal Darkness, called Shadow of the Eternal. It's going to be... uh, basically fall in the footsteps of the pretty well-received, who am I kidding, very well-received horror game for GameCube made by Silicon Knights. I can attest to that. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's, I've heard great things. I've never actually played it, though. Yeah, but, I played it last year. It took me that long to find really it. Really? That long? Is it go- you, you liked it? Yeah. Would you be interested in a sequel on Wii U? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, then you should pay close attention to this. I mean, after, <laughs> yeah, once you play Resident Evil, you, it's like you play one survival horror game, kind of. You get sucked into the genre. Ace, yeah, it's a whole Ace Attorney thing. Right, getting sucked into point and clicks, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so this one, uh, the game, like I said, it's made from ex-Silicon Knights developers who, uh, they made the original, that's Eternal pretty, Darkness. That's reassuring. Yeah, it's, they have a new company now called Precursor Games. The Silicon Knights basically fell apart and like doesn't exist anymore. So a lot of them formed this new company, yeah, Precursor I, I Games. I remember that day. Yes. Do you? Yeah. Did you cry? That was sad. Did you cry? Well, then you don't care. No, <laughs> you won't care if you cry. No, um, but Dennis Dyack, Dennis Dyack, who actually was the guy in charge of Silicon Knights and the one that headed development of Eternal Darkness, he is on board with this sequel, Shadow of the Eternal. Uh, he will be creative, 
chief creative officer opposed to running the company. So he's really looking at the vision of the game and making sure it feels like Eternal Darkness. Not so much the day-to-day operations, which is probably for the best because some attribute the downfall of Silicon Knights to him. No. So it's probably best that he's just there creatively. Um, I mean, I, there's no way... I don't know if that's 100% true. I don't want to like, bash the dude, but it's, right. everyone rec- respects him creatively, so it's great that he's doing creative work. Yeah, Let's just leave it at that. A grain of truth. Yeah, there is usually a grain of truth. But um, So how this one's going to be set up is much like the uh, original Eternal Darkness. It's going to bring back concepts like uh, a magic system and having different characters throughout time. There's going to be 12 of them in total. And you're going to be traveling 2,500 years throughout the course of the game. They're going to release each character's story, which is two or four hours long, in uh, different episodic episodes. So there'll be 12 episodes. You'll get about four hours of gameplay at most per character per episode. And with these characters, like I said, there's going to be the magic system. They're going to um, have the combat that basically just like Eternal Darkness are very similar. And they're bringing back by far Eternal Darkness's biggest claim to fame, which are the sanity effects. Which were things like the game telling you your, erase, your memory cards are racing. Or randomly like seeming like your GameCube's not working, but then it is. Or like the TV acts funny. Or the controller goes inverted. You know, things that mess with you as the player to represent how crazy the character may be going yeah. in the game. Though they do kind of lose some of their... Well, once you L- figure out that they're doing it. Well, no, well, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I, th- I played it last year, so I was well aware of these things and was expecting them, so right. they weren't like, like, what's going on? Like, a lot of my friends that played it when it came out, they yeah. literally, like, I remember some one of them called, like, like, dude, what's going on? Like, don't buy this game because, like, it yeah. broke my memory card or whatever. Right, right. I wonder, I wonder if they're going to do some creative new ones. I mean, on Wii U, you can do all sorts of things like the touchscreen. Well, even then, you'd expect Also, it. it's been often, it's like... They're so gonna have something they can amnesia yeah. use it now. Yeah, they're gonna have to do something really creative to make it stand out. But the fact that they're at least including them, is a good yeah, sign. yeah, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be Eternal Darkness without it, right? So. Yeah. So, well, it's not quite Eternal Darkness; it's Shadows of the Eternal. Well, it wouldn't. Be, I know. They, yeah. Basically, they can't call it Eternal Darkness because Nintendo still owns the name. It's that simple. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so well, for, it's, it's like saying it wouldn't be a Mario game without him jumping. Yeah. On a Goomba. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So for this one, um, the story—it's totally a new story. So Goomba. It's <laughs> it's the same uh, it's the same gameplay different story. So like I said, it's been twenty five hundred years. You control many different characters, but the core plot follows a detective who's investigating the massacring of a uh, cult in Louisiana. That sounds a little more interesting so. than some random girl investigating her uncle's death. Is that what the original was? Yeah, that's boring. Well, I mean, the, the whole I mean, there's like more because he was like an archaeologist or right. researcher or something, but right, and yeah. Yeah, so Precursor... I think uh, it's interesting. Right, right, it's just, yeah, it's... And compared, like... Yeah, this one just is a little more, like, huh, than the first one. Yeah. yeah. So Precursor uh, is planning to have the game out in Q3, so that's this fall, uh, on both Wii U and PC. The catch being, it's a, it's a crowdsourced project, so it's only going to happen if they can get the funding. They're looking for $1.5 million. Uh, given Eternal Darkness's cult following, I'm pretty sure they're going to make that, if, and probably more. So it's just a matter of time. But interestingly, it will not be Kickstarter because Precursor Games is Canadian and Canada can't use Kickstarter. It's a US-only thing due to various laws and whatnot. So I don't know how they're going to crowdfund it, but I'm kind of curious to see what they do. But I'm sure within a few days of this podcast being posted, we'll know everything about it. But this was like late-breaking news as I was putting together yeah, the podcast. We're moving to America. Yeah, we're moving, we're moving to the other side of the border. We're in Montana now. But no, it's uh, if nothing else, it's very cool that we're getting, A, a much-demanded sequel, even if it's not a sequel in name, and B, a very unique Wii U experience that you won't be able to get on PS3 or 360 or PS4 or seven or Next Box or 720 or whatever you want to call it. So that is uh, Precursor's Shadows of the Eternal. We could be expecting that episodic game many years from now. At the end of this year. 
What? <laughs> in, in like six months, what? <laughs> well, the, well, the thing is, yeah, here's the thing. The first chapter of the 12 comes out this fall if they get their funding. Presumably, it's going to take them a while. To, so, yeah, it could be a year before the whole game's out because it's going to be in chunks, but it's going to all be episodic. Yeah. Which is a smart strategy in terms of, like, delivering a product quicker to fans that are funding it. You hear that, Valve? <laughs> episodic gaming works. Yeah, what, what, do they not? Oh, do you just want to do Half-Life 3 episodically so they could get the game out? No, I'm kind of over waiting for that. Just when it happens, it happens. But it's just kind of funny, like, the idea of episodic gaming. It's, like, shorter games so you can get them out faster. But they got the shorter game part right. Right, yeah, fair enough. Uh, wow, I totally... I had a transition here, but then we got sidetracked by Valve. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, my transition was going to be... Shadows of the Eternals is not the only unconfirmed game coming to Wii U. Another one that's yet to be confirmed is Call of Duty Ghosts. Thank you for ruining my transition. I use that transition too much of like, this game isn't the only, now there's that game. Watch, I'll use it like three more times this episode, I guarantee it. You can bet money on it. Like, go, whoever's near you at the time of this recording, you're in your car, just roll down the window and shout out the next car. And just be like, this guy's gonna do a lame transition in, in the next ten minutes. I'll bet you five dollars. And that person will give you five dollars, because it will happen. Just saying. Anyway, so Call of Duty Ghost. um is not yet officially on Wii U. It will be. What it is, for those who may not know, is it's the next Call of Duty game in the lineage. It's being developed by Infinity Ward, makers of Modern Warfare. And it's actually a whole new game, whole new gameplay engine, whole all new characters, all new story, a new world that's separate from Modern Warfare. It's basically the reinvention of Call of Duty that Infinity Ward claims they're waiting to do until they had new hardware to do it on, as in PS4 and 720. Or an Xbox, or Xbox New, or Xbox Infinity, or whatever you want to call it. Um, one of the big things about Ghost, which ties into the tile, is mask wearing and the role of like hidden identities and not knowing your target or who's targeting you. Is it play a big role in the story? Yeah, but they're really playing it up. Like the logo for the game, like the box art for the game, is a guy pulling a mask over his face. Like it's all about hidden identity. And the trailer, they released a teaser. It had no footage. It was just live action acting, and it was just all these people on different face-concealing masks throughout history, a knight, uh, you know, like a samurai, a, a current soldier. Like, it's all about, like, hidden identities and that sort of thing. Right. At least it seems to be. So, that's all we know for sure. Like, that's all Activision said. There's rumors that's basically going to be kind of like Modern Warfare, except set in the future. So you have current-day current, current day weapons, but will be set in the future, where for some reason there are no futuristic weapons. That's the rumor. Who knows? There's also rumors that's going to be very more multiplayer-oriented, and the ghosts will kind of be, like, a new take on uh, squads and, and whatnot, but who knows? Or, like, not squads, clans. But who knows how exactly it will work. Um, yeah, I hope it's not just another stealth game. No, it's not going to be stealth. It's going to be Call of Duty, straight up. The question is, what are they going to be tweaking to make it different than Modern Warfare 1, 2, 3? Now you'll have the radar jammer on the whole time. Oh. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's... I think one of their concepts is called Ghost or something, because... Yeah, no, Ghost... Yeah. The concept of Ghost has been in the game before. They're now just fleshing it out into a new game with a new world, new engine. The big thing is new engine because every Call of Duty since the original Modern Warfare is run on the same engine. So that's the big one. But uh, what we will, what we do know is we're going to be hearing more about the game on May 21st where Activision will be showing off gameplay for the first time during Microsoft's new Xbox unveiling event, which is Tuesday, May 21st at 10 a.m. And of course, after that event, in the episode following, we will have our impressions from a Nintendo perspective, just like we did with PS4 following its unveiling in February. But back to the point... Um, until then, we just have a whole lot of what's it going to be. And most interestingly, we're stuck in this cycle that I'm sure Nintendo fans are always used to of 
It's not official yet. When will it be official? But it's basically official. Uh, at this point, what Activision, for one reason or another, uh, the only consoles confirmed for the game, the only consoles Activision are actually saying is coming to, are PS3 and 360. They also say next-gen consoles. Uh, even though retail leaks have shown that Call of Duty is coming to Wii U, Call of Duty Ghost is coming to Wii U, both in the form of just listings in a database and physical box art with the Wii U on it. Like, Wii U Ghost box art, already made. Uh, Activision isn't saying one way or another. All they're saying is, here's a quote, We don't have any news for the Wii U at this time, uh, as we aren't dating next-generation platforms yet. Stay tuned. The thing that strikes me as interesting about that is... That we use next generation now. <laughs> we were just talking up, like literally like half an hour ago. Third parties don't consider Wii U next generation, but apparently someone does in this contract about Call of Duty. Activision it can't reveal the re leading rumors. Activision can't reveal the Wii U version, the PS4 version, until they show off the next Xbox version on May 21st. Microsoft put them rumor says into some sort of binding contract where they can only talk about yeah, current gen. It's smart, Microsoft, because they can mm. roll it out at their event. And be like, hey guys, look at this awesome game running on the new Xbox. Now we'll talk about Call of Duty Ghosts on the new Xbox, even though it's also on PS4. It's kind of like, apparently they also have an exclusive on Rebirth Games upcoming year. Rebirth Game is where the creators of Modern Warfare, the actual two guys that came up with it, went after they, got, after they left Infinity Ward. And their game supposedly might even be an Xbox exclusive. So they're, Microsoft's really positioning themselves well. Because there's rumors that their own good game development, first party wise, for the new Xbox, might be six months behind schedule. So, which would mean they don't have very many games at launch. A very Nintendo-esque situation. So, um, they're beefing up with third-party stuff like this. But either way, uh, obviously it's coming to Wii U, which is, at this point, which is a good sign, since I did, I personally did enjoy Black Ops 2, and Call of Duty is almost in the same boat as Madden. Like, I was so, Wii, I, I, I don't know if you were as shocked as me, but I was so shocked that Madden wasn't coming to Wii U, I'd be equally surprised if Call of Duty didn't at this point, because it's like one of those things, it's like it's on everything. Yeah, Vita had a Call of Duty. It's kind of like when Tiger Woods wasn't coming to the Wii. Yeah. After you said, like, the last one. Did it no, it was the Wii, Wii U. Tiger Woods is skipping Wii U, even though it did super well on Wii. Yeah, yeah. However, Tiger Woods Something might be happened. skipping all systems, because rumor has it they're skipping 14 Tiger Woods 14 and just making one in two years. Tiger Woods 15. Was the year in golf pretty low that year? No, they just want to reinvent the series and apparently... EA's doing some very strange it's stuff. It's not just golf. EA's restructuring about... You hit the ball and then you have to shoot it with a sniper while it's in the air. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> sniper golf? Oh, there'll be another sniper behind you while you hit the golf and they have to shoot the ball. You're golfing, but you have to do it undercover because there's snipers on the field. So you have to golf and get it in a few, you know, get it within par or whatever, but you have to do it while avoiding snipers. And it's in first person. And it runs on the Call of Duty Ghost engine. No, that doesn't make sense. It's EA. It runs on Battlefield 4 Frostbite engine. Oh. Yeah, combining there. But no, EA's doing some crazy uh, restructuring. Their CEO was let go recently, so that's probably a casualty of the restructuring, the lack of Tiger. Oh. It's not the first time they've done that. They dropped their NBA game two years in a row. Like, they were about to release it, and then they decided not to. Because it didn't come, like, wasn't up to snuff. But, anyway... Uh, it's nice to have Call of Duty on a Wii. It's not official yet, but it's basically official. So it's nice to have that coming. Another game that's not official yet, but basically official. Boom, you just made $5. You're welcome. There's the transition. Is, um, Scribblenauts has become a yearly franchise, much like Call of Duty, much like Madden. And the latest one, uh, according to a leak from IGN, is going to be based on DC superheroes and will be coming to Wii U and 3DS exclusively, much, as well as PC, much like Scribblenauts Unlimited did this past year. So, it makes sense. I mean, Scribblenauts is published by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers owns a DC license. Putting Nintendo characters into Scribblenauts Unlimited 
got some good buzz. So, you know, playing DC heroes could probably do the same. So, uh, what IGN is saying is that the game that they heard about, they're not sure if it's in this exact state anymore. The ideas might have morphed since then. But what they know has been the case is that at one point in the, in the process, it was called Scribblenauts Unmasked, and it allowed Max uh, to help DC heroes save the world. So they gave some examples where, like, you'd be crawling in the sewers under uh, Wayne Manor as Max. Well, not crawling, but, you know, a level, puzzle level would be in the sewers. You have to somehow get past Killer Croc. You do it by feed, by figuring out you need to feed him a certain type of sandwich. And then, when, then you can go on to Wayne Manor and untie Batman who's been kidnapped. Or, like, there's another one where there's a bunch of clay faces, and you have to determine which one is a clone and which one isn't. And how you do that? Well, you draw yourself an x-ray machine. Or not draw yourself. You write yourself an x-ray machine and use an x-ray machine to see which one actually has bones and is a person. That sort of thing. I might have, I might have just killed off... Yeah, I might have just, like, angered many DC <laughs> fans. You know what I mean. <laughs> which one Which one doesn't have bones, I guess would be the better way of doing it. I wouldn't even Wait, know. I don't even know. How would they know? I, you use an x-ray machine and you spot the real clay face. That's I, all IGN said. I, I was I would assume you would use, like, a heat... Hey, hey, the one that is living tell IGN, tell IGN source, with tell IGN source. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you would think you'd put in, you'd, like, put down a giant kelm and have them all go inside and see which one, like... Controls the other? Yeah, which one, like, actually, like, melts, and which one just, like, is a person dying, alive, burning. Either way, that's probably a little too dark for Scribblons. Uh, either way, though, um, they're promising there's gonna be... If... Well, not they're promising, I rephrase. IGN sources say... That there's gonna be a ton of heroes, villains, sidekicks. They 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 name dropped uh, Aquaman, Harvey Quinn, Joker. Uh, who else? Obviously the villains I was just talking about. Basically, it's gonna be like the whole DC universe will be the center of the game, and it makes sense because how you top Scribblenauts Unlimited, you can't just what's beyond Unlimited? What's next from Limitless? Nothing. So you have to like do a theme on Masked. It makes sense. So the game's supposed to be at E3. Uh, not sure if it'll show up in its current form or even with the name Scribblenauts Unmasked. IGN doesn't know. They said that's what they're told was happening at one point. It is being developed by the original team of Scribblenauts that did all the other versions over at Fifth Cell. And it, like I said, uh, Wii U and 3DS, and we'll see more at E3. So that's another game that's like, well, duh, of course they're making a new one. Of course it's coming to Nintendo platforms, but we're just waiting for the actual word of it, which is a weird trend right now, this past couple weeks. Um, one game we did get word of. There it is again. Five more bucks. Another... This game, now this game transition. Ooh, I got a transition, I got a transition. Go ahead. Um, I'll let so, you do it. So, so so, the first game was about people that came in waves. Well, here's the second wave. How's that transition? What? Yeah. I'm introducing. Transition. That's an intro, that's not a transition. That's an intro, I got an intro. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I say it because, like, the other game had nothing to do with Yes, waves. We're talking about Dempa Men, which uh, is getting a sequel on the eShop on May 30th. So, Dempa Men 2 Beyond the Waves. Uh, is once again 3DS exclusive and it features the same kind of mystery dungeon style randomly generated um, dungeons that you go through real time RPG battles you have a growing party of these guys called Dempa Men which you collect using um, the AR function of the 3DS you hold the 3DS they're going to keep the Dempa women and Dempa dogs yeah yeah, yeah. they're expanding everything so there'll probably be more Dempa creatures Dempa birds yeah but um, how how you catch them Dempa beans Dempians Dempians like Olympians, but not at all. Uh, <laughs> but no, so how you capture them in the original game and in this one is you... It's really clever use of AR. You hold up the 3DS, they appear through the camera in the world around you, and the Dempamen... How it determines what to how to make them, like what the Dempamen are, is based on the Wi-Fi signal and the IP address that the Wi-Fi signal is giving off. So, 
basically wherever you go, there's going to be new dump them in because they're kind of tied to IP address and they're kind of randomized based on different numbers in the IP address. So you can get like, you know, this one character that has this one trait with this one attack at your house, but you have to go to Starbucks to get the girl who can like set things on fire or whatever. So that, which is the core hook in addition to the main gameplay, is back. But they're also expanding on uh, the whole thing in a lot of ways. They're uh, going to be throwing in an overworld that connects all the dun dungeons together. So that makes it a little more like a living, breathing thing. And not just like, I'm going from here to here. Like, more like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, less like a linear experience. They're also going to have an Animal Crossing style town in the overworld that you can go to. And you can plant flowers and kind of interact with the people. Uh, it's been described as sort of Animal Crossing style. So that could be interesting. And they're using Street Pass to let you get special flowers to plant in your town. So the, the town apparently plays a pretty big role. Huh. Uh, it come, Like I said, it comes out May 3rd, which is really soon. Uh, I don't think they're doing a demo this time, but we did check out the original Dempaman right when it came out on the 3DS, however long ago it the was. The demo. Last, yeah, like half a year ago. And, um, you know, at the time, we it was a demo, but it was a pretty lengthy demo. And I'd say, like, what we said at the time is it's a pretty fun RPG, you know, um, if you like Dungeon Crawlers or the Mystery Dungeon series, it's a natural shoe in, and the Dempamen themselves are kind of a clever idea, and they have a lot of personality that really... You know, because each of them's different in how they act and what they say, so it kind of gives the game a lot of personality. So, uh, it also helps that both games came from Genius Sorority, I think I said their name right, right? Who did um, the GameCube Pokemon games, as well as the DS's Dragon Quest games, Dragon Quest ports. So they know their stuff, they know their RPGs. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know much about Dentaman 2 beyond what I just said, but if you're curious about the original game, if you want to check out what that's like, there is a demo on eShop, or you can go back to episode 26, Kirby Kirby Kirby, which was from us back in October, and take a listen to our impressions then. You can find that at ramtown.com on the main page, just scroll down to see episode 26. That's Dentaman 2. That's probably one of the more high-profile, outside of, like, Mario and Donkey Kong, Minis March Again, or whatever it's called, Mar Minis on the Move. Outside of that, I'd say this is the other high-profile, uh, Virtual console game coming, or not virtual console, sorry, eShop game coming to the 3DS in the next month or so, which is why I felt it was worth mentioning. Uh, now, there is one game, this isn't even an announcement, this was just a weird little thing that happened that I thought was worth bringing up. Um, Wonderful 101, as we know, we don't know when it's coming out, but what we do know is that the title recently got into a bit of controversy because the game's producer, Hideki Kamiya, I think I said that right, tweeted about, you know, sometime in the last couple of weeks that he is focusing on how fun Wonderful 101 will be, not how long it lasts. Which immediately led tons of people to believe that the game's going to be very short and complain online about, how can the game be short? No, you've been delayed so long, you should make it, you can't make it short, that's a rip-off, blah, 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 blah. So, it got to the point where the game's producer over at Platinum Games, uh, you want to say Atsushi Naba, I guess? Does that sound right? We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah, he basically had to calm everyone down and issue his own sets of tweets that were set of tweets, which is basically like damage control. And he really emphasized that Camilla, the guy that was saying it's about fun, not length, was uh, simply discussing his de design philosophy and that Camilla always packs as much content into a game as he can until he's satisfied. So he wanted to promise that 101 is going to wear out your Wii U gamepad and it will offer plenty of fun playing it for the first time and just as much fun playing it over and over again. Now, this all sounds like, oh, okay, so one developer was misquoted, or was misunderstood, and then everyone flipped out. But I think it's worth bringing up, because it raises a bigger issue in gaming, in that, why does length matter so much? Well, first of all, it's great that Wonderful 101 development's coming along, and they're happy to tweet about it on their own accord. That's cool. I'm glad to hear it's progressing, because I'm excited about that game. It was fun the few times I've tried it at Comic-Con, yeah, at the Wii experience. But why is the length issue so big? He didn't say how short it would be. No one knows anything about the game. I, I would say length is an issue, 
Yes and no. But I know, but that's a but it could go either way. A game can a game uh, a game can be too long. Cause, yeah. I mean, just by I mean I, I didn't get to play Wonderful One One, but from what I've seen, it looks like that kind of gameplay. That if it goes on for too long, it would actually get kind of right. boring and repetitive. Yeah, and part of that. I mean, just look at the God of War games. They're really short, but they're short because they're that kind of yeah. gameplay. Yeah, and not just that, but like there's also the whole argument about that you don't know that much about the game. They're promising. Uh, Inaba said when he was trying to do damage control, that there'll be news in the coming weeks, presumably by E3, at E3, you know, something like that. So they're promising more information coming. We don't know that much about the game. So to just jump to conclusions and be like, oh, well, if you're saying it, if you're saying it's more about fun than length, I know, no, 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 it has to be about length. You're wrong. Like, this is the dude's game. It's his vision of what he wants the game to be. Like he said, God of War's shorter, but it's good for that. Like, worst comes to worst, what, Ninten- what Nintendo or any publisher could do is if the game's short on content, price it cheaper. I mean, Nintendo's doing that. Game of Wario was just confirmed last week to be uh, only thirty nine ninety nine official MSRP, not sixty like most Wii U games. It's gonna be forty, and that's because you know you're getting some good mini mini games supposedly based on Japanese impressions, but you're not necessarily getting sixty dollars worth, and it's probably gonna be knocked in reviews if it was sixty bucks. So they put it at forty. That's what it's worth, it's and that's awesome. the length you're paying for. So why isn't Wonderful Wall One either people? You know, either they could price it lower, or they can include more content, or it can be a God of War situation, where it just fits at that, like, that length fits. You don't yeah. know, when he says it's about fun, not length, you don't know what length he was thinking of, and what length yeah, it's going to be. For all, for all we know, it could be 20 hours length that he's dropping down to 15, which is still a good amount of game. I mean, some people do consider 20 hours short. Yeah, but... Story game. I mean, yeah. I don't know, I guess... People are the ones that play 40 hour long RPGs. So. Yeah, but this isn't an RPG. This I is know, a rapid know. fire. I know. But it's like an action arcade Actually, game. Actually, well, I mean, it's kind of like Pikmin, kind of. It's way but, faster. It's uh, Pikmin uh, on speed. Oh, well, yeah. Well, um, and Pikmin was a kind of a long game. Yeah. Well, the first Pikmin was not at all. Actually, it's the not, first Pikmin was short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, Pikmin 2 is kind of long. I mean, Pikmin 2 made up for Pikmin 1 shortness. Yeah. Pikmin 1 was short. People said it was short. But it still sold well enough to make Pikmin 2, and people enjoyed it enough to play the sequel. So, like, I don't get why people are, like, freaking out about, like, the length. I mean, yeah, just we don't know the context of what he's saying. I know I kind of started saying this, but we don't know if it's, like, maybe he dropped it from 30 hours to 25 hours. We have no idea. So to flip out when he's just saying he really wants to focus on fun, which is what gaming's really all about, yeah. I, I just don't get what the brouhaha, that's a fun word, by the way, is about. Because, like, come on. You don't know anything about the game. With that said, I, it would be really interesting to hear you guys, the listeners, what you think of game length and like, you know, what's more important. So feel free to leave a comment on this episode by going to the blog post. Once again, episode 42, challengeaccepted.roundtown.com. Uh, yeah. Just go there, leave your thoughts, because I'm curious if we're, if I'm crazy or if like, they're crazy, the people that were saying that. Like, I don't know which. I, it's just my opinion, yeah. man. I'm really I'm curious. It has to be a nice mixture of both. Yeah, it's just, I wonder, like, some people I mean, sway are, one way or another. there are some games sure. that are, like, really fun, but they definitely end too short. Right, right when you think they're getting good. Yeah. Like, I would say, um, Ikachan is one of those games that feels too short. Right. It's like just but see, that's, like, five bucks. Well, so yeah. they kind of ba- they kind of balance the length to the price a little. Yeah, well, but you could argue there are also five dollar eShop games. No, no, that I, mean, are like, way like, it, I mean it's a fun for what it is, but like just like as you're playing it, it's like you feel like it's building up to something big, mm, and then it never it just, gets there. Then it just ends. And uh, like, like, oh, but see, I don't know if that's so much. Right. I don't know if that's so much length as it is pacing. Because you can have a short game that's very well paced, and you have the build up, you have the climax, and you come back down from it just fine. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, I, I mean, it's, well, pacing, that's another reason yeah, that silly pacing people. Is part of yeah, length, yeah. I mean, well, yes and no, because you can have a short game with good pacing or a long game with bad pacing. I don't know, I guess they just... Which is another issue I just saw with this argument that they had, that everyone was tweeting at this poor uh, 
game director where it's just like you don't know the pacing maybe it's very action-packed and intense and then it's over like mm. who knows anyway that's it for game news uh two things to touch on though before i get to our game impressions uh the firmware update for the wii u if you have not downloaded it already it is now out it's very big comes with very many things as we mentioned in the past episode uh it has faster opening and closing times i'd say they're like 50 60 percent faster maybe yep. like some apps and games still open and close kind of slow but most of them you're looking at like six seven seconds instead of 26 or 27 seconds yeah, also actually that's more than 60 percent but <laughs> i also still occasionally get a game taking really long to start just yeah on a random and not like yeah that like, happened you know, to me. like one out of ten that happened to me when I was like trying out Tank Tank Tank, actually. It took forever. Yeah, like it takes, or it takes forever to go back or something. Yeah. Something happens. Yeah, I mean, but they're doing a second update to address it further. And now I understand why it takes two, because they're going to fix the the nagging things that are still there. But in addition to that, you can now hold B to go into Wii mode on boot up, although that takes a while, too. Um, the disk drive doesn't spin when you're playing something on the system that's downloaded, opposed to using the disk drive. In the past, you'd be playing a download, and if there's a disk in the system, it would keep spinning for no reason. Uh, that's fixed. Uh, there's also Wii Remote support in Miiverse. You can now undo and redo drawing steps in your Miiverse drawings. Uh, hard drives, you can... Yeah, just one. But that's how it is on SwapNote, too. Yeah. Uh, hard drives, you can swap data back and forth. Uh, the standby mode is actually really cool. It's, um, as Nintendo promised, how it works is you can start a download, turn off the Wii U, and it'll finish the download and install the software, so when you next turn it on, it's there. Last time we were talking about how you know when it's on or not. Turns out there's a hidden third LED color in the light on the power indicator. It could be red, it could be orange, or it could be blue. So one of those things they had always planned. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. It just wasn't there. It wasn't right. Back to Nintendo's development woes from earlier on in the episode. They were behind. (laughs) It just didn't work. Just ship it. Just ship it. Yeah, pretty much. They had to get it out by holiday. They needed it out by holiday. Or else it'd be next fiscal year and they'd be screwed this past year. Like, it'd be this current... If they didn't delay it till after holiday, it wouldn't sell as well. And if they waited a whole year, they lose... Well, they already kind of lost the lead over PS4 and the next Xbox. And they'd have no anything for their fiscal year last year besides 3DS. But point being, uh, it's actually... Uh, whoops. That's the second time I've kicked this table. It's actually <laughs> interesting how the LED... I know this is really minor, but it's kind of interesting how the LED works in the sense that you turn off the Wii U and it immediately goes to off. Then it kind of turns itself back on and checks if you have anything going on. And if you do, it downloads. If you don't, it doesn't. So it goes from like blue to red to orange back to red. It's just kind of funny to like watch it go... But it's not like the Wii, where it's just like, if it's in standby, it's one color. If it's off, it's another. It kind of fluctuates. Yeah. Uh, they did say, when you're in the settings to enable standby mode, spot true spot pass support is coming. Right now, notifications only pop up after you boot the system, and it loads them into notifications. Now they, Or not now, but in the next update, or sometime in the future, they'll be able to push notifications, much like they do with sw- uh, spot pass on the 3DS, where if it's in sleep mode, it will light up. The question is, how do they notify you? Is there a fourth color in that LED? Like, I really wish, I really wish, and the Wii message board message from Nintendo this past week further confirmed it, I, my desire, I really wish they had the illuminated disc slot again, because that's such a cool way to let you know you have something. Like having the whole disc slot light blue, but yeah. it'd be even more mistaken identity issues with the Wii if they did that. Yeah. So I wonder if there's a hidden fourth color maybe on that LED. the orange one blink? That would make sense, yeah. Either way, though, or maybe the home pads, uh, the home pads, the game pads home button can blink even when it's off. But that kill Barry, that'd be horrible. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe there's a fourth cutter, we don't know. Yeah, but either way, um, the most exciting feature to me of all this was one unannounced. I had an issue with overscan when the console first launched. My TV didn't have a just mode for display, so it would always cut off the edges. So the only way to fix it is through the console, and the console didn't have 
any universal setting. So different games have to manually do it, or I just deal with like missing pieces of the Mario U UI or whatever. Now, it's a non-issue. I'm very happy that Nintendo put a universal screen size mode, so now I can see the full 16:9 image on my TV. <laughs> it's really annoying. We're finally, now experiencing the Wii U. Basically, basically, I basically was like, I don't understand this console, and then I got those extra like six percent on each side of the screen, the extra six percent of image, and now I'm like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> All the things I was saying about the Wii U up till now on the podcast have been total lies based on nothing, but now that I've played it in full 16:9, I can back everything I've since said. <laughs> but uh, no, really though, it's nice that Nintendo addressed it because I mean people had the issue but it wasn't like a major issue but they addressed it quickly as quickly as they could which is the first major update so I'm very happy with that mm-hmm. I mean Mario like there were literally hidden pipes that I couldn't see if I was looking on my TV but I could see if I was looking on my gamepad because wow. like the, the missing chunks of the screen it was that bad so mm-hmm. very excited about that uh, and with the firmware update also came virtual console just quick run that for those of you may, may not be in the loop uh, at launch there were 10 games here in North America, we got Donkey Kong Country. Wow, Donkey Kong <laughs> Junior, Excite Bike, Ice Climber, Super Mario World, and the already released F Zero Punch Out Balloon Fight, and the current thirty cent game Kirby's Adventure. All those were there day one. Really, only four of them are new, so it's not really much effort on the Nintendo's part. Since then, we've seen uh, Pac Man and Mega Man go live, and Capcom has confirmed that we'll be getting Super Ghosts and Goblins on May sixteenth, and Ghosts and Ghouls on May thirtieth. While Nintendo has said that Street Fighter Xevious and a Super Mario Brothers game, presumably Super Mario Brothers 2, since it was in the sizzle reel for the virtual mm-hmm. console a few weeks ago, they're all on the way in the near future. Definitely getting Super Ghosts and Ghouls since it's only like a dollar to dollar fifty to upgrade. To upgrade, yeah. yeah Did I you transfer know. everything from your Wii to your Wii? It would only be oh, you mean like all the stuff? Oh yeah, I did. Oh, see, I didn't. So, but I didn't own a virtual console games that are currently available, so it's fine. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> do I really want to buy Ice Climbers for yeah. a dollar? But the reason I brought up Virtual Console, because most people... Which Street Fighter? They oh, didn't. Oh, probably oh. two, but they did. All the press release says is Street Fighter. Hopefully. It's I'm two. guessing it's two. <laughs> I think in Europe they already released Street Fighter 2, so oh, I yeah. think it's two. Street Fighter 1... Yeah, I'm like 99% sure it's two. Really work. No, it's not even the same. Beyond name, it's not really the same game. But um, the reason I brought this up, because everyone that has a Wii is aware of the Virtual Console, but it just felt... Was it just me, or did it feel kind of anticlimactic? Nintendo hyped it up, and they're like, yeah, Virtual Console, and then they only released four games that they've released, like, seven times already. And then the other ones that were there were ones that were already there. It's getting better now with the Ghosts and Goblins and Ghouls and Ghosts and Pac-Man and Mega Man, but even that's just kind of like, how many times are they going to re-release the same game? I know, I have Ghouls and Ghosts on the 3DS. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I get it takes time to release these games because they're adding off-TV play. It's more, it's not just a ROM dump into an emulator. Like, they have to add me off-TV play. They have to add Miiverses, which, you know, how hard is it to add a, to type a few lines of code to make a Miiverse pop up? But still, someone has to do that. So I understand why they're trickling it out again. But it'd be nice if they trickled out newer, not newer, but like... Newer games not, first and then... Well, not newer, that's the wrong word. If well, they I mean, trickled out games, they, games they haven't released seven times. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can think... I have five different ways I can play Ice Climber. I only bought... Uh, well, no. There are five current ways. You, six. NES. E-Reader. On Game Boy Advance. They had Ice Climber E. Uh, current? 3DS. Like, well, I'm just saying like there's relevant. six different ways you can play Ice oh, Climber. All right. Like, do they need to release a seventh? Uh, 3DS. Hold on. I wasn't done with my list. Classic NES series on Game Boy Advance. Wii. And now Wii U. Six ways to play Ice Climber. Is Smash that necessary? Brothers. But that's only ten seconds. But still... Okay, sure. Seven ways <laughs> to play Ice Climber. Like... How about instead of Ice Climber, you guys release Unirace series for Super Nintendo? I mean, I granted these are the ones that are going to make them the money, which they need to hit their goal of 100 billion yen. Did I say 100 billion yen? Yeah. Oh! 
this is super out of context. When I said Nintendo wanted to make 100 billion yen way back at the beginning of the show, and I couldn't remember it operating profit, but actual income they wanted to make or whatever, it was 999.2 million yen to 100 billion yen. That's what it was. So if you want to rewind to like the first five minutes of the podcast, that's what I was talking about. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's fine. I, Jose's giving me the blankest look ever, so you're not alone. Anyway, that's my piece on a virtual console. Yeah, I just wish they did, you know, newer stuff. Or different stuff. Different stuff. Not even newer, just different. Like, I, I swear, if they release Urban Champion again, a game that isn't even fun, <laughs> it's going to be so annoying. I don't why did that get a classic? Yeah, yeah, why? It's not good. It's not bad. It's just not good. And it got, like, the nice 3D treatment. It got really good 3D. I know, like, it wasn't that, lazy that's, like that's uh, Kirby. Kirby. Yeah. Should have gone it in. wasn't lazy like Kirby. It wasn't lazy like Kid Icarus. It was, like, legit. And yet, like, who bike. cares? Excite Bike and Urban Champion were like the two best examples of it, sadly. Yeah. But yeah, that wraps up news. That's a long news. That was almost two hours of news. Um, but we do have game impressions we want to share. So all these games actually are available on the eShop for free. So we encourage you to check them out for yourself. But we also encourage you to listen because otherwise who are we talking to? So uh, I guess we should start with the, the, the behemoth of the group, right? Which is uh, Rayman Legends Challenges app, yep. which Ubisoft released after the delay of Rayman Legends and the backlash. And like, okay, we're sorry, we'll give you an enhanced demo. And the enhanced demo turned into this kind of neat, free, very online centric centric app. I don't know why they're calling it an app, by the way. They could call it. They could just call it Rayman Legends Challenges. Challenges. Yeah. yeah, but uh, so just the format. What it is, the format of it is, you have the original demos level levels from the demo came out in December. Are all included in there, and you can get like you could try and get up to gold medals in that or gold trophies by collecting the lums and whatnot on the level, just like in the demo. And on top of that, they've added randomly generated daily and weekly challenges that remix those levels. So you have that four in all. What? Yeah, four in all. Yeah, there are four levels in all, and there are multiple characters to unlock, different character skins for each of those characters. So stuff to unlock as you go. They must really love glow boxes. So many. He's Rayman sidekick. No, I know, but they're like. Oh yeah, he, there's, well, four, he, there's four you know versions he of he's, him. He's the, there's uh, only two Rayman and two green. Because he could just change his color. He's just a green, bluish green blob that they could turn purple or red or pink yeah, or but, orange. Yeah. It's an easy. You just you paint bucket him in Photoshop and you're done. But um, yeah. Well, here, uh, do you want? Should I go first? Do you want to go first? Mm-hmm. We both have. I guess I I can go first. I guess since he's seeming different. Yeah, you go, you go. All right. So in my mind, so that's how it's structured, and it's actually really cool because it integrates your friends. In that you can invite your friends to specific challenges. Uh, the leaderboard data is all shown. Like it will track everything you do, and it's shown on the gamepad after you complete it. And it has like all these charts. Like this, you know, it's all it's almost charts. Um, I forgot the name of the chart that does this, but it's basically in terms of frequency or not frequency, but com- commonality. So it'd be like you'll be on a chart, but it'll be like you're in the middle of the chart, which has the high, it's a bar graph, and you'll be like on the top of the bar graph because you're on the t- the top of the most common score category. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know how to describe it better. So the cool thing is getting beyond that hump and going on the bottom half, on the far end of the bell curve of sorts, where you're like, this superior... Oh, it's a bell curve. Bell curve. It's a bell curve. Oh. It's a bell curve. It's a bar graph bell curve. There we yeah. go. Anyway, so that's really cool. And, like, it ranks you against your friends, and they have these things called awesome scores, where it's, like, the more you do... It's with your awesomeness. Yeah, your awesomeness, which is, like, I think... They don't really explain it again. I think it's a mix of the trophies in the single-player demos plus how you perform no, 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 in no, no, no. the it, challenges. It's, 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 only, it's only trophies. Yeah, but no, but you can unlock trophies through the challenges if you get above a certain point, a certain score. Well, that's like, so that, that's like you 
That's what I'm saying. That's like it's all based on trophies. You right, that's what I said. I'm saying the trophies of the single-player demo levels plus how you perform in the online in the sense of the trophies you earn through that. Right? Yeah, yeah but yeah. They're, they're, they're both trophies. Just... Yeah, but I'm just... Okay, fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I worded it backwards. Yeah, it sounded like you're talking about two completely different. No, you're right. They're all. It's you're, all you're just collecting trophies. Right, and they show. And at any time, you can click any of your friends' names or anyone on the leaderboard. Actually, you can press their name. You see their awesomeness. You see how many gold trophies, silver trophies, bronze trophies, how many characters they've unlocked. Like it's quite the online setup. It's really impressive. But um, yeah, and that's honestly that's what makes it so addicting. Is when you have a friend challenging you, you don't want to not beat them. You have to beat them. Like we were going head to head with. Uh, one of our listeners, who I am blanking. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I'm blanking on how to <laughs> properly pronounce it. Dude's name's Armando. I know that. <laughs> hey, Armando, what's up? <laughs> Go ahead. You can answer the recording. It'd be awkward, but sure. Uh, don't do that. Anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah. I know, so he, I know he beat me. Like, no, I, I yeah, he challenged that, both yeah. of us through the in-game invite, and he challenged you on Twitter. And it was like, it was really fun. Like I played for like three hours to beat him. I beat him. I beat you, Armando. And I, I know beat, you're listening. And I beat, I beat both you. of you. Yeah, and you beat both of us. But um. No, it was very fun, and that's actually, there are other listeners that want to, like, do challenges. I haven't played it in the last week, or, or not week. Yeah, I haven't played it much after the initial few days came out, but I'm going to jump back into it. So, you know, yeah. send an invite. If I'm on the Wii U at the time, I'd be happy to lose to you over and over. Or spend three hours and win by, literally, I beat him by uh, half a meter. It was like, I got half a meter in front of him. I just, like, done. Drop, did, like, a mic drop with the gamepad on my couch. I was like, boom, and just turned off the Wii U. <laughs> But, uh, no, so that's, that's really the bread and butter of yeah. this thing. That's what's fun about it. Like, the demo levels are okay. You're going to play through them a couple times. But the, the challenges, which are randomly generated, are cool because you're getting something a little different every time. Unfortunately, they're all on the same level. So it does feel kind of repetitive, but not... Yeah, like you'll be doing, like, I mean, there are three different kinds of activities you could be doing. You could be doing go as far as you can. Yeah. You could be collect um, 150 lums as fast as you can. Right. Or reach 250 meters as fast as you can. Yeah, and you'll do those. I think it's like four different stages. There's like a, a endless towers, which is like set in the desert. There's like a bottomless pit, which is set in like in a jungleish vine yeah. thing. There's the land of the dead, mm-hmm. and then there's Murphy's, Murphy's Lair. Yeah, Murphy's Lair is the Wii U exclusive gamepad mode where you're not controlling a character. The character's auto running. You're manipulating the environment, pulling levers, lifting things, squashing things in order to let the character progress. Yeah, so those are my favorite. Actually, yeah, they're all but. Definitely the but go as far as you can with it. Go as far as you can with Murphy, where you're doing it via touch is I think my favorite. It feels oh. like an endless runner kind of. Oh, yeah, it's I, an endless I, runner with crazy online scoreboards. Yeah, I like I like doing both versions. I think I prefer the. I like uh, both. I just greatly prefer <laughs> <laughs> prefer Murphy. And, and I prefer the the other one just because uh, you have showing off your platforming skills. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. um, I don't know. I remember in the beginning, like we both played all the challenges. Like I think for two days we played all of yeah. them. but then. After, I don't know, maybe three or four days, I just stopped playing any challenges that weren't the endless ones just because these yeah. ones were just fun. Like, you get more... Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of time limit things because it's like with the endless, with the endless, you really, if you screw up, you have time to recover. Like, oh. if you don't lift something fast enough, he'll stall there for a second before dying, at least on the early parts. With the time ones, you make one small error, well, that's a, that run's wasted. Yeah. Like, you have a chance to recover in the Endless. You don't. Yeah, like, in those in those other ones, I, I restarted, like, maybe for, like, for half an hour. I didn't yeah. leave, like, the first two seconds just because I didn't yeah. do my my attack jump just right. Because you have to attack jump, attack jump, and you right. like, go super fast. Right. And also, like, for those levels, like, you also peak pretty fast at your, like, highest speed. Yeah. So it takes a long time to just... I mean, if they weren't limited to just a day, I would probably spend more time on them. But since they're only there for a day... 
I'm just going to stick with the ones that are a little funner. Although it does track how you do each day. Like, the challenges you... After the daily challenges are done, they keep it listed with your score. Yeah, if you attempt it. If you don't, yeah. it's just not going to appear. Yeah, yeah. It's and like a record of what you've done. So you don't... So while, yes, it's only there for a day, you don't truly lose record of it ever. Yeah, and also, like, since I prefer doing the other ones, like, I've been trying to keep those high, so I have, like, mm-hmm. all my nice little gold ones and a few platinums. Yeah. And and whenever I see any score, any friend score on those Endless Runner ones, I just try to yeah, the cool stay thing, in the front. So I was like, okay, so The cool thing about the friend thing is not just their scores are there on the leaderboard, but there's a ticker in the menu where it's like, yesterday, uh, Jose scored this much on this. And you're like, wow, he's... Okay, that's that's impressive. Or like you, the top scorer for this challenge was blood. It's like kind of, it really feels fully connected. I was number one in the world. You for were a few moments. Yeah, and um, there's nothing. I number say sixteen. To that. Total rank now I'm like six hundred or no, yeah. I, I'm like I'm 60 or last I checked I was twenty eight hundred out of thirty six hundred. That shows how long it's been. There's since like I played. way more people. There's like seventy something. Wait, what? There's something else I was gonna say that I had to do. Maybe not that many, but there's a lot. What was I gonna say that I had to do with? We were talking. You were talking about friends. Oh yeah. Ghosts, there are also ghosts in the level, which, like, you could see other players that have attempted it. It seems to be a mix of your friends and randoms. Mostly randoms, but I a couple times saw, like, a couple people. When you're close to them, yeah. Yeah, they follow, in the game, they follow you, and obviously as people do well or not do well, they, yeah, you get they, to they, see, the you ghosts kind of disappear. Yeah, you see, like, different strategies and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and they also show, like, the death points for some people. It's so, like, you'll jump past a point, and it'll have a little emblem there showing you that blah died oh, here. Oh, you just passed them. Kind yeah, of like it's, run yeah. Kind of although it's not necessarily your friends. Um, no, it's, it's, just, it's just random people. But yeah, it's, 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 all, it's all that stuff together that makes it a very cool, addicting thing. And how it works is the game, the full game, Rayman Legends, is out, I believe, September 3rd. And when that happens, they're going to shut down the challenge app. Like, all the data will still be there, but you won't have new challenges. So it'll just kind of be a demo. The three demo levels, and that's it. And then, presumably, the challenge app will live on within the final game. But I wonder... See, there's two sides to that. One is like, oh, cool, so many people love the challenge app. That's going to, you know, obviously draw up support of the final game, and people will buy it. But I wonder how many people are going to get, like, Rayman fatigue between now and then if they do all these daily challenges for three months. Yeah. Like, it's it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, one thing I want to know is, since we talked about the Miiverse just launching on web browsers... They could not have picked a better time to launch the Rayman app. Because it's one thing to brag within Miiverse. It's another thing that you can now take a screenshot that you posted to Miiverse of being number one in the world, save it to your computer, upload it to Twitter, and then tweet it out. Nice direct feed screenshot. Like, it's perfect for a game like this, having yeah. Miiverse on the web. One thing I am still wondering about, and I'm hoping anyone answers it if you know the answer, is for those endless, the Murphy's Lair ones, where yeah. it's like an endless runner, actually any Murphy's Lair one, how... Do people pick other characters that aren't the ones they just give you? Yeah, I was wondering that too. Because I see a lot of characters, like, a lot of people picking, like, when they give you Glowbox, just, I don't know, that's, like, the character you use. I see a lot of people picking Rayman or other characters, and they're, like, running and jumping, like, I, I, thought, I thought it wasn't two players, so. Right, yeah. I don't know what's going on. But, yeah, either way, it's definitely, I mean, it's can. No. It's completely free, so I, I can't really find any complaints oh. with it. I mean, do you have anything? Um, the only other thing I could think of right now is, the I can't really see myself playing it more than like a few more weeks, just because even though yeah they're randomly generated and they're all different, mm-hmm. they're not entirely all different. They actually they're randomly generated. You're gonna see the same pieces of land, like they're more like blocks. They're like puzzle pieces that they just rearrange. They rearrange. So if you run long enough, you're gonna see almost all the puzzle pieces. So as you're doing a new day's challenge, you're gonna be oh I recognize these. So I already know how to get through this and. So some of the challenge is not even there anymore. Yeah, so, so if you, the day goes on, it's, just, yeah. it's the same challenge, just in a different order. I did notice some repetitiveness, but I didn't realize they were, it was that Sometimes you'll see the same obstacle like two times back-to-back or right, stuff like right. that. 
So I mean, it, so it's, fine, I mean, it's but, for a free app. It's a little yeah, exactly. It's free. Yeah. It's like nothing to complain about. But it's like they could, yeah. It's just a good little time killer. I mean, yeah, and it's completely free. Every once so. in a while, beat some people's records. Yeah, it's and it's cool. That's like a Wii U only thing, dreams. right? <laughs> if you want your dreams crushed by Jose, be sure to friend us on Meverse. Uh, you can do you can find our you can find our Meverse handles um, at the Meet Jose and Meet Jason pages at Ramtown.com. In fact, they now if you have a Meverse account, they now link directly to our Meverse web profile, so you can get a taste of what we're like before you go. Man, why did I follow this guy? Now you don't even have to follow us. You can see that beforehand, but you should friend us so Jose can destroy you, or you can destroy me. See, we give you both sides. If you want B. <laughs> absolutely destroyed you have Jose if you want to be victorious you have me anyway that's uh, Rayman Legends definitely check it out it's completely free and it's def- you know it's a cool it's a very well polished art very yeah. pretty the HD graphics look just as good as it did in the first demo it's definitely so. one of those games you want to like show off like to your friends that come over yeah, or something yeah totally one game that you might not want to show off though there's that transition again <laughs> is uh, Tank 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 which I remember when we first when it was the first announced at E3, I, I could not stop game, saying tank, tank, tank. You bet that game tanked, so tanked, well. tanked. I was going to not use tank, 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 because I already did that joke. You did? No, yeah. The one oh. we first heard of it. Oh, tank, tank, tank? Yeah. Tank. I was actually going to not use the tank, word tank. at all. Anyway, so tank, tank, tank. Uh, it was originally a full retail $60 game from Namco. And Namco smartly, and they did this a while ago in Japan, Europe, they just brought it to America, split, turned it into a free-to-play game. So it just launched in the North American eShop, and how it works is the free version includes only the multiplayer options of versus a monster, versus teams, and free-for-all, where you're driving tanks and blowing up monsters, each other, or teams of each other. Three times a day. You get to do it three times a day, and then the game shuts you out. If you want to do other stuff, it costs money. There's a single-player story mode, which you can get all the way up to starting. Like, you can pick your character, you can get the intro, but you can't actually start it know, unless when, you when pay $10. It, deploy, it's like long. Yeah, the deploy button doesn't so work. Like, I was very confused. I thought I was like, I was like did I not s- s- hit a setting or something? Oh, yeah. But yeah, it costs thing, 10 yeah. bucks for story mode. You can get um, six versus arenas for $1.99 each, or two new monster battle arenas for $3.99 each. Or from now till May fifteenth, you can get the My Kong pack, which is potentially the coolest thing in this game. I'm considering. I'm considering it, it too, but that that'll be two bucks from now till uh, May fifteenth. That's gonna go up in price. Because they do have a steady supply of people to play with. So yeah, it might be worth it. So what the game is is you control a tank. The TV is the tank. The gamepad is the tank's dash, which is just some dials that do absolutely nothing. And you steer with the stick or the D-pad. You shoot with either... They tell you to shoot with the A button. I discovered you can use the trigger on the back of the gamepad. Everybody out. shoots. And it works... No, not everybody. X and Y do not. Oh. But, but, uh, the the back triggers of the gamepad, uh, ZL. ZL, ZL and ZR, do shoot. Oh. And that's actually way more fun when you shoot with those. But, like, it feels way more natural. But, so, um, you know, for free... It's pretty fun for an occasional. No, for, for honestly, I, I I enjoyed it when I was. I mean, it's the most shallow. It's definitely aimed at kids. You're literally just shooting a beast of some sort or each other. Random. How it works is as you're shooting random items drop, you get like a machine gun, you get missiles, and you use that to knock down this beast within a certain amount of time. At least this is the multiplayer mode specifically. And if you are by yourself, you can still do it with three computer opponents. So and there's different enemies, which have very generic things like mm. i think my favorite part of the game actually is how it's not not creative it's just like you could tell us was a game made for an arcade machine that they then brought to a console because like the game will begin in the multiplayer and it'll be like the city is under attack by giant uh giant robotic spiders and it's like okay if this was any real game they'd have like 
the arachnobots are attacking the city. You must stop them before their mothership lands. Like, you would have a story. This one's just like, watch out, giant enemy robot spiders. Or then, like, there's one... I, I put this on Miiverse, actually. There's one where you're, you're about to fight, and then some buildings in the city come to life and become robots. It's just like, wait, how do people either A... Not notice a building appears out of nowhere, which is a robot. Or B, what if there are people in the building? It's a real building. What happens when it turns into a robot? Like, it's just so, like... Yeah, the game's it's just funny. Just insert coin thing. Yeah, it's totally... Yeah. It's... it's. But I just found out Jerry Fire's like, Oh, no! The buildings are alive! Shoot them! It's like, how how did no one notice they weren't alive? Like, who... What what city? Who who are these citizens that they're just like, Oh, this building wasn't here yesterday. I'm gonna go work in it. Oh, now its head is coming out of its, its out of the top of it. I maybe guess there, this is maybe there really is a really deep plot, and this is all like some sort of metaphor for something. Maybe, maybe it's a metaphor for life. Maybe a metaphor. How we're all clueless to what to what's really about. happening. Yeah. Maybe we're all so self absorbed. We're all so self <laughs> self absorbed in our games and our and our careers and our and our day to day boring stuff that we don't appreciate the world around us. We don't appreciate. That the buildings we're in are alive in their own way. The walls can talk. They can tell you stories. They can tell you the history of themselves. I feel like I'm pitching a historical society. Or that, like, spiders, whether they're giant robots or tiny little not robots, play a role in our world. And catch flies. I don't know. I don't think it's a metaphor. But it's just really funny how they're like, uh-oh, we're under attack by a dragon squid. You should shoot it. It's like, okay, sure. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. The game itself, like... It's fun. I can see it being fun for like a couple rounds of multiplayer here and there, but it's not like it's definitely not worth sixty dollars. It's very smart that they broke the game down into these cheaper things. I like we were. I mean, we're both concerned my Kong mode, which actually is the most interesting. That really uses the gamepad. The main game, like I said, it's only a dash for the tank, and the only thing the gamepad does by being a dash is when your commander talks out of the speaker instead of the TV. So that's kind of nice. So it's personalized, I guess. But if uh, you use get my, my Kong mode, one player is a giant robot monkey, gorilla, because why not? And they and their face is on the gorilla because it uses the camera to take a picture of you. That's how it identifies players. It puts their picture. And you can put funny hats on and stuff. But So they're on the gamepad doing that, destroying the city, which, by the way, environments are fully destructible, which is kind of nice. But they fall apart really oddly, kind of like you just throw a bottle on the ground and it just shatters into chunks. That's how the cities fall apart. But um, You're probably just going to end up with an empty... Very quickly, yeah. But my Kong mode, so the one person... The Colossal Missile is pretty cool. What? The Colossal Missile, how it explodes. Oh, yeah. Colossus Missile. Yeah, it's like a little nuke. Yeah, and then it has a little skeleton face. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so my Kong, one person's on gamepad, the other people are killing it on the TV with Wii remotes. So that that's clever-ish asymmetric gameplay. But the rest of the game, like, no way is it worth 60 bucks. However, it's definitely worth a free download. Even if you only play it once and delete it, you get 60 Club Nintendo coins. So if you're a Club Nintendo user and you want a good chunk of coins for essentially nothing, download the game. It's one and a half gigs, but you can delete it when you're done, like, just for the coins. But honestly, I'd say hold on to it for occasional random multiplayer. I c it's fun in small bites, in my mind. And it only gives you small bites. It only it gives you tiny bites. It's like... It's like it, if you want... If you go, I'm not very hungry, I'm just gonna have some chicken strips. This is like, here, have half a chicken nugget. And that's all it gives you. I know, I don't know what's going on with these metaphors, but... I guess I'm craving chicken nuggets. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so that's Tank, Tank, Tank. Uh, anything you want to add? Mm, no, it's just Tank, Tank, Tank. The graphics, by the way, are nothing to write home about. They look kind of GameCube-ish. Or Wii-ish. But in HD. So they're crisp, but they're very simple geometry and stuff. Mm, like, it, it fits the style of the game quite well. Yeah, in the sense that it's like over-the-top, cartoony didn't action. Didn't really expect the anime characters. 
Yeah, single player has these weird 2D anime characters in 2D worlds, which is hand-drawn, which is kind of out of nowhere, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's Tank Tank Tank. Like I said, if nothing else, get it for 60 coins. Um, the third thing is Panorama View, which launched alongside the Virtual Console and... With a questionable interface. Interface. Or lack of, lack of interface. What interface would you expect? I don't know. I, I thought it was going to be kind of like the pinball, like Zen pinball where you download... Oh, yeah. No, that's a horrible decision. So originally... Well, let me tell... Let me... Or go ahead. I'll, I'll make my point when you're done. All right. Well, I was expecting... Well, in Zen pinball, you download the app. It's free. Mm-hmm. And you have a bunch of demos. And then from there, you could download any pinball table. So it's kind of like you have a little pinball room or whatever. I thought this was going to be, you download one app, and then you just have, like, and all the options. And you purchase the other cities. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just so it doesn't clutter up your, your menu space. You know what's weird about that? But you can't. You know what's weird about the, that? And this is what I was going to say. I played Panorama View at Comic-Con last year. It was the last time Nintendo showed it publicly. It was like that. You open Panorama View, and it has all the cities available in one menu. I don't know why they split them up. It's besides the fact that they can sell that they can then show them separately as separate listings on the eShop. To show, like, oh, you want Rio de Janeiro? Here it is. You want London? There it is. Like, that's the only reason I can think of them doing it. Because then it's easier to... If someone types in Panorama View, they can see the selection right there without having to go to show DLC within the game's profile. Yeah. So, for the casuals. But, with that said... Okay, so how it works. It's kind of like if anyone's used Google Street View... We use Street View powered by Google Maps or whatever they call that thing. Uh, we Street we, we, you yeah, we street powered you. by Google Maps. It's like that in that you have a three... You're basically, your gamepad is an imaginary bubble. It shows you the imaginary bubble you're in. You have full 360-degree motion. You can move up, down, left, right. The TV will show what's going on in front of you. If Whether you're on a, uh, a rickshaw in, t- in Kyoto, a double-decker bus in London, somehow in the middle of a group of dancing women in bikinis at Carnival, Carnival at Rio de Janeiro, or what else is there? Or flying with geese. Flying with geese in Italy. Mm. I think it's Italy. Yeah, whatever you know, whatever you're doing, the TV will show you the front view, and the gamepad will show you the full 360. You can look around anywhere, up, down, left, right. Was there any way to angles. switch it to show what? Something I believe there's a way to switch it, and if not, if not that, you can also. But why would you? The whole point of it's to be in the moment. Yeah, but I mean, it'd be kind of cool to show. Yeah, well, that's what that says. If you're trying to show it off, the corner of the screen is always there's a little box always showing what the gamepad's showing. So people can I mean, see, yeah, but you know, you really Nintendo wants you to show it off by handing them a game, the gamepad, not by showing it on TV. No, they can't touch my gamepad. But but the demo that they released, uh, they can't touch your gamepad really because everyone touches your gamepad. That sounds dirty. Anyway, the demo that they released uh, is a two minute like highlight reel of all the different cities they have available, which is good enough. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, okay, done. I don't think I'd buy it. They're two bucks each, which if you're, it, it's a cool, it's cool technology. It's kind of cool features, but. The thing is, the the video footage is made for the gamepad, which is sub-HD. It's a 480p display about, and the footage is like 480p. So if you show it on the TV, and I didn't notice this when I downloaded it a year ago, because I was all, only looking at the gamepad, but on the TV, it looks grainy, it looks uh, it looks not HD. Like, it's kind of odd that Nintendo's charging two bucks, they didn't go HD. But, on the flip side, from what I... It is really a really cool way to show off technology to Wii U. It really is one of those, like, whoa moments, even more so than Wii Street U. Like, Panorama View was literally the first thing I did when I first played the Wii U. Ever. And it just was like, whoa. Like, because it's, it's like this whole virtual world. And yeah, you can kind of mimic it with an iPad or any or an Android tablet or whatever. Like, you can do the same. It can use the same uh, accelerometers to kind of know where you are and make the world fit. But you never have that point of reference of what's in front of you with the TV. Because it's like your TV's your tour bus and you're moving your head with the gamepad. 
Mm. Also, Nintendo did throw in a couple funny little Easter eggs. Like, in London, there's a giant rolling stone at one point, because... Like a stone that's rolling because the Rolling Stones are British, the band. Or you can see like Loch Ness Monster out at sea. Stuff like that. So, you know, there's stuff to discover. There are some like very, very slight game elements. But for the most part, it's really just showing you, look, you can create this little virtual bubble with the gamepad. It's like a second world. Second view. Really shows the ability to have two different views on the TV and gamepad. And that's really all I gotta say. I don't know, like, try the, de try the demo video if it's something that clicks with you and you want to see more cities, see more cities, but it's not really something we can say, like, you have to do it because the demo does it for you. Like, it shows you. Think they could, do you think they'll do any more, like, free little demos or little random videos of... I don't know. And, you know, this is actually... A tour of Nintendo headquarters. That'd be cool. <laughs> Imagine if they... See, Panorama View has potential, especially if they upgrade to HD. Imagine if they did one of their E3 booth. Mm. Or if, like, they did, like, they're building a new facility in That's Kyoto true. next door to their Sony current headquarters. Has home... That you two yeah. other E3 booths? And like Xbox Nintendo. used to have demos from E3 downloadable for current, for oh. like normal people. But like Nintendo's actually building a brand new headquarters right now in Kyoto. So imagine once it's done, if they do like a ribbon cutting ceremony that you can be at through Panorama View, like a virtual one. Like stuff like that. They can, it's a very cool technology. Oh, you can be standing next to Iwata and then he'll wave at the camera just so it looks like he's waving at you. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's a uh, very cool technology. It's nothing fancy, but it's very cool, and there's a lot of cool uses for it. It's just a matter of, is it worth the money if it's, if you're not getting freebies, like E3 yeah. stuff? Now I think about it, if once they roll out folders, I guess that won't be that big of an issue, because you could just have a folder It should still be all-in-one. It should I mean, still yeah, be all-in-one. I mean, yeah, but... I mean, it was in the demo I played. Like, they, it regressed. They also took out other features from what I've heard. Uh, the demo I played, you could switch to day to, from day to night in real time at any time in the London demo I played. Like, literally, it'd be like, they double, they recorded the footage on a day tour and a night tour of, via double deck with the same people, I think. I don't know if it's the same people, but it's definitely the exact same route. So, you press a button, and it would just, you know, you're looking at the London Eye Ferris wheel, and suddenly it's all lit up like a Christmas tree, and then you switch it back. It's all, you know, gray England weather. But it's just cool that, like, you could do that offline. Apparently, that's not in the final version. So, they actually stripped out features where they should have been adding them if they're charging money, at least in my mind. But Nintendo claims this... And We Street You both are supposedly things that will make people understand the appeal of the gamepad and, like, want a Wii U. And, yes, it does make you understand the gamepad, but I don't know if it makes you want a Wii U because no games really do this yet. They need a game that does this. I could picture this on an in-game cutscene Imagine, where, like, you're moving yeah. around something and then you're moving around. But even then, you need a full game that focuses on you have a world at, in the gamepad and a world on the TV, and the TV's a set view and the gamepad's a changing view. In other words, what I'm saying is well, Nintendo needs to make Pokemon Snap you, and the gamepad's your viewfinder of your camera, and the TV's the path of the cart, and it's just like the N64 on where you're moving around but you're on a set path, it's just on two screens. Nintendo, you can take that idea for free, just make it happen. Pokemon Snap you. If it happens, I swear it'll be the happiest day of my life, barring all the actual happiest days. <laughs> but no, seriously, that, like, that, that panorama view makes me realize how perfect Pokemon Snap would be. Yeah. So perfect. Oh, or yeah. even, you know what, do you go one step further? Do you like a Safari game? It doesn't have to be Pokemon. I feel like Pokemon would sell more, but if you don't want to do Pokemon, Nintendo, if you, if you want to attract casuals, do some sort of Safari game. Like a, almost like a virtual zoo or something, but with like, maybe... Yoshi Safari. Yoshi Safari, yes. Bring that back. Yeah, hey, there you go. But no, seriously, it, the potential's there, it's just they need to figure out how to harness it, in my mind. And it's not through $2 sub-HD videos that took out features from demos I played a year ago. <laughs> so with that, uh, 
I think that's pretty much it for the episode, actually. We covered... That was a good two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, it's one of our longer episodes. Thanks for sticking with us, as always. Hope you found it interesting and insightful. And we'd love to hear what you think about anything we talked about, be it Nintendo's Wii U struggles and how you think they should turn it around, or uh, any of the unconfirmed games, or any... If you played Tank Tank Tank, um, Panorama Review, or Rayman Legends Challenge app, you know, let us know what you think. We, you know, we love your opinion, too, and plus... Especially, especially friend us on Miiverse for uh, Rayman Legends, because we, we, we can always use some good comp- competition. Uh, I'd also, once again, like to mention that we have that extra that I wrote a few days ago called Dual Screen Reflections up on the site. So just for those who may have skipped over that before, um, basically we're looking back at DS now that production has ceased, so has likely ceased. So, um, you know, from the original Touching is Good, through the DS Lite, through DSi, and all the great games. Did you know there were 1,800 games released for the DS? Mm. And there are 500 DSiWare games? I learned that when doing some digging about the DS for that article. It's 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 amazing how many games it has. So, yeah, check that article out. It's on Ramtown.com's homepage right next to this episode. And you can leave comments, like I uh, requested, so kindly, um, by clicking on this episode and scrolling down to the bottom of the page. Would you kindly? What? I said, would you kindly? Yes, would you, would you kindly do so, sir, or ma'am? But uh, also be on the lookout for the next episode of the podcast, which is hitting on May 19th. It could potentially be another big episode because uh, we're approaching E3. And as we approach E3, that means more game announcements, that means more unveilings, that means more details about games we already know about. So definitely stay tuned for that, and stay tuned beyond that, as we'll have episodes. The next episode after that is basically the lead-up to E3. It'll be the Xbox will be unveiled, so we'll be doing our Nintendo side of things on that uh nintendo will definitely have a nintendo direct by that point i'd say so we'll have news from that it's yeah it's exciting time because it's e3 time and e3 time is always exciting uh of course also keep an eye on the site for various other extras in addition to the one i just wrote you can follow us on twitter at random to make it much easier to not miss these things subscribe to the podcast on itunes or wherever your favorite uh podcast client is and then you won't have to worry about missing any episodes as the e3 hype machine kicks into high gear without nintendo's press conference and uh, beyond that, yeah, you can find me on Meverse as Jason R. You can find Jose on Meverse as Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. I always spell it. I don't know why. Likewise, that's his Twitter handle. Well, my Twitter handle is JSR7 if you want to hit us up on there. And we will see you in two weeks' time on May 19th. Mm-hmm.